Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, and uh, welcome to Sound Doctrine with Dr. Ventura, and I'm pleased that you could join us this evening. We're studying the book of Daniel, and we got down to uh, chapter three, and I want to apologize for uh, Friday night's broadcast, uh, not any part of the platform. It was uh, my uh, fault. But I want to thank uh, Joseph Gibson for allowing us to use this platform and uh, for his uh, sake and ours that that the beliefs necessarily don't necessarily reflect what the host uh, believes or as far as uh, uh, his program and ours. Uh, he is a Christian and he does believe what we believe as far as that goes. So there, but he has open mic, and there's many speakers after this program that come on, and they, they have a lot of things to say. But it's an open mic, and he doesn't censor them. However, we're on the book of Daniel, and I'd like to have a quick prayer with you, and we'll get marching right along. Holy Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we just bow down before you and thank you, God, so for your kindness and your grace and your mercy and the opportunity, Lord, to bring this uh, word to this people, Lord. Lord, now do what I cannot do, Lord. Keep my flesh out of this, Lord, and please speak to thy people so when we leave, we can say with it, we heard the word of God tonight, and we've been edified. And I thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Now, uh, just a quick refresher. We're in the book of Daniel. We studied chapter 2. We're moving along now to chapter 3, and uh, we got down to uh, where Nebuchadnezzar has decided he's the king of Babylon, and he's going to set up this image in the plain of Dura. Nebuchadnezzar is a type of antichrist. And we saw that in Jeremiah uh, 51, 34, where Nebuchadnezzar is called the dragon. And understanding the book of Daniel will help you understand the book of Matthew and the book of Revelation. They say Daniel is revelation, you know, hidden and, and revelation is Daniel revealed. And so, uh, for instance, what we're talking about is something here that Nebuchadnezzar does that the Antichrist is going to do, and he is a type of Antichrist. And in, in Daniel, in Matthew chapter 24, the Lord was telling the uh, disciples what the end of the world would be, and he tells them, when ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place, Whoso readeth, let him understand. Let them which be in Judea flee to the mountains, you see. And that abomination of desolation is when the Antichrist goes into the temple in Jerusalem and sets up this image. Remember, he shows up first as a man of peace. And and I've received dozens of calls, and people are asking me, uh, Dr. Ventura, you know, where are we? Where are we in this timeline? Where is the rapture? What's the next thing happening? Look what's going on in the Middle East. Well, uh, if if the timeline is, I'm not a date setter, so I don't want anybody to say that Dr. Ventura set a date. You know, there were the Millerites at one time. They set a date. They were all on, sold everything they owned, and they were on their roofs in white gowns waiting for Christ. Well, he didn't go. Amen. And so we're not going to set a date because the Bible doesn't give us that date, but it tells us the times and the seasons. And this could be the event that's going to be the catalyst to set off that Red Army that comes down from the north, and and God miraculously stops it. And then this man of peace claims takes, you know, the claim that he has done it. And if this that is the time that we are in, 
then the Antichrist will show up for the first three and a half years as a man of peace. And in the middle of that three and a half years, uh, or rather seven-year total period, but in the middle of that seven-year period, three and a half years in, that man of peace will go into the temple and say that he is God, and he will demand worship. He will set his image up there, just like Nebuchadnezzar's doing here. So if you can understand Nebuchadnezzar's behavior in the book of Daniel, then you'll you'll get an, a, a better understanding of the book of Matthew, chapter 24, and the book of Revelation. Now, so let's pick it up. Uh, we got moving along, and I want to move along. I want to get all the way down to where we left off, and that was around verse 6 and 7. So let me just read down, and I'll highlight. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold, whose height was three score cubits, and the breadth thereof six cubits. And he set it up in the plain of Dura, in the province of Babylon. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king sent to gather together the princes, the governors, and the captains, and judges, the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the providence. So not only in his own kingdom, but many other kings, he's calling them rulers of the other provinces, to come to the dedication of the image which Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. Then the princes, governors, and captains, the judges, the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the providence were gathered together onto the dedication of the image that Nebuchadnezzar, remember he's a type of Antichrist, that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then a herald cried aloud, To you it is commanded, O people, nations, and languages, that at what time ye hear the sound of the cornet, the flute, the harp, the sackbook, the psaltery, the dulcimer, and all kinds of music, ye fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king has set up. And whoso falleth not down and worship shall the same hour be cast into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Now remember, during the tribulation, if you don't take that mark of the beast, you can't buy or sell, and you'll be executed, okay? You'll be killed by the beast. He doesn't care. He's demanding total worship, the same as Nebuchadnezzar is doing here. And he said, and whoso falleth not down in worship shall the same hour be cast into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. Therefore, at the time when all the people heard the sound of the cornet, the flute, the harp, the sackbuck, the psaltery, and all kinds of music, all the people, the nations, and the languages fell down and worshiped the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king set up, all right? So here's what you find. You find that this image that he set up, well, it was six six cubits high, it says, and uh, I mean 60 cubits high. It has uh, six instruments. It's six cubits wide, and it comes up to 666. Now, 666 comes up three times in Scripture, and uh, we don't have time to stop because this is an hour program, and I'm trying to bring you through the book, giving you the highlights of the book that will help you, but you should go back and read these things, you see, because these revelations are important. You see, 666 is is related to the Antichrist, and you find that in Revelation chapter 13. And the number 13 in the Bible represents rebellion, okay? And, And it describes Antichrist. And you find them in Revelation 13, 11. You find it in, in, in uh, 
1314, it's a description of the Antichrist, okay? He heals the wounds. He, he does miracles. He's false. He's a counterfeit. He has a counterfeit resurrection. There's an image, and people are commanded to worship that image. Now, uh, very quickly, I'm going to go to Revelation for you to chapter 13, because remember, I said that what you're learning in Daniel will reflect upon what, how you read Matthew and the book of Revelation. Now, you get to uh, 1315 in the book of Revelation, and it said, and he had the power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed, exactly like Nebuchadnezzar is ordered. And again, Nebuchadnezzar is described in Jeremiah 51:34 as a dragon. Antichrist is described in chapter 12 as a dragon, okay? And so this makes Nebuchadnezzar that type of Antichrist with an image, with worship, with the number 666, with the death penalty associated with him. He's the perfect type of Antichrist. And he makes an image of gold. And by the way, gold is associated with the kingdom of the Antichrist, because you can read that in Revelation 18, verses 11, 12, and Revelation 17, 4. You know, we're talking about a, a one-world religion, okay? And that's the mother of harlots. And so we get to 666, and it comes up three times in Scripture. It's the number of the beast. It's the number of a man. All right? And uh, it, it was. And where does it come up? Well, I just explained to you that Revelation chapter 13 is about the Antichrist. 13 in the Bible is a number of rebellion. And, and so when we got there, we saw that in Revelation 13, 8, the scripture says, and all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him. You see? And, and so as we study this thing, verse 18 says, here's wisdom. This is the book of Revelation. Chapter 13, verse 18, here is, here is wisdom. Let him that has understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is 600, three score, and six. 666. 666. So here's Nebuchadnezzar, and he's the type of Antichrist. He's got this image set up. It, all right? It's, it's 666. All right, now, we got down to uh, verse 7, but I want you just to back up just a minute and think about this in verse number 5. Nebuchadnezzar said, At what time ye hear the sound of the cornet, the flute, the sackbut, the psaltery, and the dulcimer, and all kinds of music, okay, you fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And you'll find that word set up, you know, uh, he set it up times in uh, uh, chapter 2, chapter 3, chapter 5, I mean, uh, in verse 2, 3, 5, and 7. Six times you'll find he set it up or set up in three, chapter 3, verse 1, 2, 3, 5, and 7. And so a cubit, a cubit can be 18 inches to 21 inches, depending upon a man's arms. And it's a measurement from the elbow to the fingertip, okay? And... Uh, uh, some something I'd like to point out to you, back up to verse 2, and I want you to see something that then Nebuchadnezzar the king 
sent to gather together the princes, the governors, and the captains, and the judges, and the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the province to come to the dedication of the image which Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. Now, in your NIV, NASV, the RSV, and the New King James Version have changed the word princes to satraps, S-A-T. They've also changed governor to prefect, the NIV, NASB, and RSB. And these are supposed to be, you know, the, the, the uh, trick is, you know, oh, the, these modern Bibles are easier to read. Well, you tell me, is a prince easier to read? Did you know what a satrap was? You know, just, you know, a prefect instead of a governor, you see? But anyway, verse number five tells us about that music. And you and I need to think about this a little bit. Music is a universal language. And we're talking here about unifying the people of the world. And in order to do that, you need music and religion. Religion and music. Okay? And you spell music, M-U-S-I-C, pull together. You know, back in the 60s, we, we there was a generation gap. And, and our... Our parents, you know, didn't listen to what we listened to. But as time went on and rock music changed and a generation changed, music became a unifier. And today you'll find adults going to concerts with their children and young children, their teens, uh, music that my parents wouldn't listen to what I was listening to. And uh, But today we've come to that place where families go together to these concerts and they listen to the same type of music, Okay. And then we have, uh, in, chat, in verse number six, the order is, And whoso falleth not down in worship, the same shall the same hour be cast into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And, you know, that, you know that's a picture of a trial. Uh, if you know anything about the, you know, the first book of uh, Peter, in First Peter chapter 1, you know, Peter gives a, a, a warning, and he says in verse 7, that the trial of your faith being much more precious than a gold perishes, though it be tried by fire, might be found unto the praise and honor and glory, the appearing of Jesus Christ. Amen. So we, we, he's got to, Nebuchadnezzar's got to unify this empire. And his method of doing that and getting the people to come to worship this image is is he's going to use this music, okay? And there is a, uh, a people, if you give the people a common religion, and this is, this is deep. I'm going to give you a very deep thought. There are a lot of people that are listening uh, that, that need to wake up. You need a wake-up call in your life because those modern Bibles, which have watered down the Word of God, which have removed the Trinity from heaven, which has reduced Jesus from a son to a servant, which which now longer has people waiting for the Savior, but they're waiting for the one, okay? Those Bibles have worked their way into society, and the Word of God has gotten watered down. And those words have gotten into our education system, into the religious beliefs of politicians, and we have a problem with that. And the problem is they've watered down the word of God, okay? And so we have to be careful. And, and so if you give them a common religion and a common music, 
you can draw the people together. And these new Bibles, now they're coming out with what they call the New Age Bible. And Jesus Christ is no longer the Messiah. He is no longer the Christ. He is a Christ. He is a avatar. He was a, a great prophet, you see. And so what they're doing is they're trying to put a Bible before everybody that it doesn't matter whether you're a, a Muslim, a Jehovah Witness, a Roman Catholic, a Baptist, a Protestant, doesn't matter. We can all come together with that through that one Bible because we have a unity in that word. And now Christ is no longer the Messiah. And so Islam says, you know, right now that Christ is not the Messiah. He was just a prophet, you see. And so if we get rid of him being the Messiah and just make him a prophet, well, now it will fall into that religion, you see. And, and, the, and the Middle Eastern religions and philosophies of reincarnation, well, they're, you know, they're waiting for the one in the cycle of life, you know, to get to that perfection where you get to heaven. And and this this all has to do with the Satan's progressive movement for the one world order. So I advise you, if you don't have a, a King James Bible, authorized version, to get one. And and don't think that the new King James is going to help you because they've taken the word Easter. This is just one example out of the book of Acts, because they said, here I didn't want to kill James, uh, 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 the apostle Peter on uh, Easter. And so the New King James removed it. But then it tells you it was the days of unleavened bread. If it was the days of unleavened bread, then the Passover was over. And that's what they put. They took Easter out and put Passover. Well, Herod was a pagan, and they were going to celebrate Easter, not Passover, you see. And those little errors, those little errors cause a person to err. In, in Acts 2.38, these new Bibles have removed the portion where Philip is with the eunuch, and the eunuch says he believes with all his heart that Jesus is the Lord. He said, can I get baptized? And, and Philip said, well, you know, do you believe? And he said he believed with all his heart. Then Philip took him down to baptize him in the water, okay? That verse that says if you believe with all your heart has been removed. So now a person reading that would believe that they could get saved just by being baptized in water. And so these things are important, and this all deals with what's coming, and it's coming quickly. If you can't see the earth, the, the momentum of evil protruding and growing, the, the, the love of man waxing cold, you drive down these highways here, Yes, I live, I live in a small state. You drive down these highways, people do not care about you. They'll run by you, they'll pass you, they'll cut you off. People are selfish. It's about I. And this is dangerous, but that's what Nebuchadnezzar is doing. He's bringing this unifying together. And that's what he, that's what he wants to do. Now, it's been 25 years since Daniel chapter 1, years since Daniel 2.47. And he's forgotten, Nebuchadnezzar has forgotten, that God is the God. And it's no longer having an effect upon him. See, he, he, he said that after Daniel interpreted that dream, that the Lord was the God. But now he's forgetting about that, like most Christians, you see. And, and, and they think they're slick, that you could sit home while I'm a participating church by watching it on the internet. Yeah, what you're doing is you're saving money from tithing to support the church. That's what you're doing, number one. And number two, you're violating the commandment that said, forsake not the assembling together. You belong in church with the Christian brethren. Amen? 
And and so here he is, Nebuchadnezzar. He forgot all about God, and it doesn't have an effect on him. And he's establishing on his own a one-world religion in order to unify his empire. And unification of the people of the world through religion, it's not going to work with God Almighty. Amen? It, it may work for a little while on the earth, going to last. And the first time it didn't work was back in Genesis chapter 11. There was a city called Babel, and at that city, there was a, a center of economy. There was a commerce center and a tower, and that tower was a religious center. And it didn't work in Genesis, and it, and it didn't work in the book of Daniel, and it's not going to work in Revelation chapter 17 when the Antichrist shows up. God's going to stop it. And one thing that Christians need to be aware of is ecumenicism. And ecumenicism, the worldwide council of churches and, and uh, other churches that are trying to bring unsound doctrine together, that's ecumenicism. You know, can't we all live in peace? All right? Well, yes, we can live in peace, but we all can't, are not believing the same thing. Okay? The Jehovah Witnesses believe that Jesus was a God. The Bible says in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word was made manifest. And that's Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. John the Baptist said so. And so how do I fellowship with somebody who's in a wrong doctrine? Okay, and so we all know we all can't come together because we're all not worshiping the same God. They may use the name of Jesus. They may use the Holy Spirit. And, and to the to a Jehovah Witness, the Holy Spirit is just, you know, like electricity. He's just a power. It's not a person. Okay, but the Holy Spirit is a person, and he's a person in the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They are persons. They are not just powers. Okay, and and Allah is not Jesus Christ, nor Jehovah. So it does matter what name you call him. And so this idea of conformity that the world is bringing together right now, this is what's happening in the book of Daniel. And the book of Daniel is showing you what's going to happen in Matthew at chapter 24 and what's going to happen in Revelation. And it's soon to happen. So this idea of this unification. Now look at verse number 8. Wherefore, at the time, certain Chaldeas came near and accused the Jews. You know, this thing going on in Israel, this isn't something that just started. This has been going on since the beginning of time between Isaac and Ishmael. Isaac was a child of promise, and Ishmael was not. Ishmael came from Egypt from an Egyptian mother named Hagar. You see, and some of you folks, you think you're smarter than God and you got the better idea and you can't wait on God, but you've been praying for something, but you're going to do it your way. Well, that's why we're in the situation we're in today, you see, because Sarah and Abraham were told they would have the child of promise and through him the Messiah would come. And instead, they got tired of waiting for God and they said, well, we got a better idea. And Hagar is, is Sarah's maid. And she says to Abraham, hey, why don't you go in on to my maid and then you can have an heir. You know, and I'm sure Abraham was grinning, and he went in there, and he had a, uh, you know, he had a child, and the child's name was Ishmael. 
Okay, and Ishmael, the Bible says, is a wild man. His hand is against every man, and every man's hand is against him. And that's what's been going on from then on in, in the Middle East forever. But Satan has been trying to destroy the Jew from the beginning. He wants to get rid of the Jew. He wants to get rid of Israel because the prophecy says that Jesus Christ comes back, Mount Sinai, comes up the King's Highway, crosses the Jordan River, and enters Jerusalem through the East Gate. And so the Islamists have cemented the East Gate shut as though that would stop the Lord from entering it. Okay? And so there's a lot going on here. And if you don't study your Bible, you'll never know any of it. Just going on to the Internet or just listening to a preacher. There's a lot of preachers out there, but a lot of them didn't. They weren't sent by God. They went. They thought being a pastor or a preacher was the same thing as being an auto mechanic, and that's the trade they were going to take. You know, there was a pastor not too long ago. He'd been preaching for 10 years straight, and and after 10 years, he was teaching the, the church from the book of Romans, and he realized he wasn't saved. He fell to his knees, and he stood up, and he told the church, I've been preaching for 10 years. I'm not even saved. I just got saved. Amen. But there are certain Jews, it says. Not all of them, see? It's not all the Jews, but these three right here, see? The rest were, they were conforming. So the accusation is threefold, all right? Let's, let's read down into uh, verses 9 to 11. They spake and said to the king Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. Thou, O king, hast made a decree that every man that shall hear the sound of the cornet the flute, the harp, the sackbut, the psaltery, and the dulcimer, and all kinds of music shall fall down and worship that golden image. And whosoever falls not down and worship it, that he should be cast into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And there are certain Jews who thou hast set over the affairs of the providence of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not regarded thee, they serve not thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. You see? And so it's all about conformity. See, the world doesn't care how you and I worship God as long as you conform to the world. If you do as they do it, if you act as they did, and and they don't care what you call yourself, whether you're a born-again Christian, a Christian, they don't care as long as you're falling in with the world. And, and, and you pastors out there listening, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. You thought by bringing the world into the church you were going to win people's souls to Christ? What you've done is you've brought the world into the church, and now you made the church like the world. God has called you out of the world. You ought to be separate from the world. Amen? Not separate strange, but separate and holy. Lord, have mercy on your wretched soul, children of God. You're responsible for that, all right? But you don't do as they do, and, and, and you don't conform to their ways, and that's where you and I are going to have a problem. Sunday night I preached the, 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 about the cross and about the persecution of the cross. And people don't, you know, when they say you're willing to bear your cross, well, do you know that cross is is death? Are you willing to bear it to death for Christ? Are you willing to go through the trials and the temptations and the stand for Christ? Because that's what you're saying when you take up your cross 
and follow me. That's what Jesus said. He took up his cross and went to Calvary. Thought you were going to get your cross and it was all going to be roses in your life. You figured you're going to read your Bible and the devil's going to say, oh, well, you know, hey, you know, Billy Bob's reading his Bible. I better stay away from him. Listen, he, he, you're, you're kidding yourself. And then you get discouraged and say, well, the more I pray, the worse it gets. Hey, listen, keep praying until you get the breakthrough. Amen. God loves his children. He's going to take care of you. Now, look, that's where the problem is, is when you don't, when you don't conform to the world. And you're to be conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. That's what Romans 8.29 says. Your reasonable service, you see, it's all about who you are going to conform to. See, there's brainwashing here. And people have said to me, you know, Pastor Ventura, you know, Dr. Ventura, you're, you're brainwashing people. Well, you know what, folks? Here's what I tell them. I take them over to Ephesians chapter 5, and I read them verse 26. And here's what it says. It says that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. You get cleansed by the blood, and you stay clean by the word. Amen? And that's right. I'm washing your brain with the word of God. Lord, have mercy. Verse number 12. There are certain Jews who thou hast set over the affairs of the providence of Babylon, Meshach, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not regarded thee. They serve not thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. The accusation is threefold. They have not regarded you as a king. They serve not your gods, and they won't worship the image you set up. Let's move on. You, 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 you know, you can simplify the accusation to two things. They don't honor you, and they don't obey you. And that's exactly how, you know, God's going to judge them. They didn't honor God, and, 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 and the people of the world did not o- obey God. If people knew what time it was in the history of mankind, in the biblical dispensations, that they're at the end of the church age and the Laodicean age, if they could understand that, they'd be flocking the doors of the church. Pastors to tell them. Matthew 7, 1 and 2 says this, Judge not that ye be not judged, for with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. And that's exactly how God is going to judge them. They didn't honor God, and they didn't obey God. All right, look at verse 13. Remember, number of rebellion, here we go. Then Nebuchadnezzar in his rage and fury commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then they brought these men before the king. He's in rage. I mean, this guy is mad. He's in a fury. He forgot all about that God was the God. He forgot all about these guys. He appointed them over the kingdom. And now he's enraged because these Jews, not all the Jews, because the other Jews were conforming, but these who were true Jews and and had a heart to stay and walk with the Lord, you see, the remnant is really what they represent. And God has a remnant even to this day. All of Israel is not Israel. But there is a remnant. Okay, verse 14 says, Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, do not ye serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up? 
And, you know, and as mad as Nebuchadnezzar is, still wants to give these people a chance. They've had favor in his life. He could have just killed them right then. But he's given them a little respect, and he has a heart for them uh, to some degree, and he wants to give them a chance to repent, you see. And uh, uh, so verse number 15 says, Now if ye be ready, that at what time ye hear the sound of the cornet, the flute, the harp, the sackbut, the psaltery, the dulcimer, and all kinds of music, ye fall down and worship the image which I have made. Well, but if ye worship not, ye shall be cast the same hour into the midst of a burning fiery furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? All right. Who is that God? Nebuchadnezzar means, is there any God that's going to deliver you out of my hands? You see, this this Nebuchadnezzar, I told you before, and I tell you again, he's a type of antichrist, okay? And uh, I just want to look at a verse. Uh, here's something about the antichrist you should know, okay? Neither shall he regard the God of his fathers, nor the desire of women, nor regard any God, for he shall magnify himself above all. And that's in Daniel chapter 11, and we're going to get down there. But that's a description of the Antichrist. He has no regard for the God of heaven. He believes in his heart that he is going to win this battle and and that uh, he is going to overcome the kingdom of God Almighty. He's a created being, and yet he believes that. The Bible says his heart is as another stone. That's the large grinding stone. It's solid. And it grinds the wheat and the chat, you know. And, and so uh, that's his heart. And so you see here, neither shall he regard the God of his fathers. Probably, you know, in, in, that could be a, a, a Jew. But, you know, it said that in Daniel eleven thirty eight that he has no desire for women. This Antichrist that's going to show up. He's got no desire for women in verse 38. But in his estate shall he honor the God of forces. And a God whom his fathers knew not shall be honored with gold and silver and with precious stones and pleasant things. See, verse 37 says, neither shall he regard the God of his fathers nor the desire of women. All right. So this Antichrist is described, you know, possibly, uh, who knows? It could be, you know, he's of the world. It could be, you know, a homosexual for all we know. But in his estate shall honor the God of forces. You notice there's a capital G, and and what he's talking about, he's talking about the devil, yet a capital G. That's how he's looking at Satan. That's why it's written that way, as his God, number one, which he is not. But he uses the capital G for that purpose. You see, God knows. Nebuchadnezzar knows that the three are looking at that God as number one God. So there's, you know, verse 15, it's a capital G. You see, not any God. In Daniel chapter 6, verse number 7, I'm not trying to lose you, so stay with me. Uh, it says, all the presidents of the kingdom, this is Daniel 6, 7, the governors and the princes and the counselors and the captains have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whosoever shall ask a petition of any God, and it's a capital G. See, it's not... It, 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 in this context, it can be a pagan god. Okay, so 
he, 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 so that's Daniel 6, 7. Not Jehovah God, but that's how the person is looking at it. Any God. Now, verse 16 in chapter 3. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. The word careful means full of care. And Philippians 4, 6 tells the Christian to be careful for nothing. In other words, don't be full of care. Some people are so full of care, they can't even function in their lives. What if? What if? What if? And they don't even live, you know? But these 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 boys, these fellows are bold, and they're not afraid, okay? And, and you know what? Look at verse 17. says, if it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O God, king. Now listen, folks. You see, you, you Christians laying down and letting, letting the world run over you, there's something wrong with you. The Bible says in the seven churches of the seven times God says that you're an overcomer, okay? And you need to read that and find out what you're an overcomer of. He, you overcome the world, okay? But there comes a time when, whether it be family, friends, parents, government, there's a time for civil disobedience. And civil disobedience is called, and I didn't say, he didn't, they didn't say they were going to overthrow the kingdom. They didn't say that they were going to, you know, get an armed rebellion. But they did say, oh, king, we're not bowing down. You're asking us to do something that's against the word of God. Thou shalt have no other gods before thee. And that's scripture. And they know it. And they're not going to bow down before this king. And when the, your government and when your family and when your friends tell you to do you, your employer tells you to lie for him, he's not in the office, you tell him, listen, I'm not lying for you. Get somebody else to answer the phone. All right? Think of that one, did you? Well, let me tell you, this is civil disobedience. And they're standing in the king's face and they're saying, what you're asking us to do is against the word of God, and we will not do it. Okay? They suffer in the consequences. What's the consequence? Verse 17, uh, verse 18. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, the gods of the world, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. But if not, see, we're still not going to bow down. See, they know two things when they go into that furnace. Either God's going to deliver them whole or they're going to die and go to heaven anyway. So they win. It's a win-win. People do everything they can today. They they got high blood pressure worrying about their money. They spend their money to get rid of the high blood pressure, and then they're broke. Now, you know, it, it doesn't make sense. They'll do anything they can, skin for skin, to save their lives. You know, they're so afraid of death. What's the reward of death for a Christian? My goodness. They get to see the seraphim and the cherubim and the cherubim and, 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 and Michael and Gabriel, the angels and the heavenly host and my family and friends that are there before me and walk the streets of gold that are paved and, 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 and the blessings of heaven and receive eternal rewards, which no man's going to take away from me. It's mine forever, whatever God gives me. Oh, yeah, I'm real worried about that, you know. Life is eternal, and you get the right perspective. You read your Bible, you'll know the power of God. If you know the power of God, it's because you know the scriptures. Now, verse 18, see, we're, we're not going to bow down. 
They had faith to believe, you see, and they believed. Over there in, you know, the faith chapter of, of the book of Hebrews is chapter 11, and it gives you the, the roll call of people who, who had faith. But, you know, in, in verses, Scripture says, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the enemies, the enemies, you see, and we're not going to obey it. That's what he says. And in Romans 13, we're told that we are to obey, you know, the authorities. But you go as far as you can in your life, my Christian brothers. But you don't go against the scriptures. You just suffer the consequences. And these these men were godly Jews. And they knew the Ten Commandments. And they knew the law. And they knew that they were not to bow down or have any other God before them. Okay? And, and you can ask the Catholics, the Roman Catholics, why they took the second commandment out, okay, in their copies. But Exodus 20, chapter 2, verse number uh, 5, verses, uh, excuse me, Exodus 20, verses 2 to 5, I am the Lord thy God, which has brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them. For I am the Lord thy God. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God. Amen? Hey, listen, God's not playing here. And, and these people know it, and they fear God. They're holy and reverent. And they said, you know what? We're not going to do it. We're not bowing down to you. I'm just going to suffer the consequences. They grew up under the Jewish law. They grew up under Josiah the king, and they knew the law. Amen? I mean, you know, they could have been like Naaman. And, you know, they could have, you know, done wrong. Right, verse 19, let's move on. 319 says, Then was Nebuchadnezzar full of fury, and the form of his visage was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Therefore he spake, and commanded that they should heat the furnace one seven times more than it was wont to be heated. Whew, this guy, his face got all twisted. He probably turned red. You, you're going to disobey me. I'm the king. You know, he thought he was somebody, you see. And, and, and you know, he was angry. And, and he's, you know, he had given him another chance. But right now, he's done with it. It's over. And in most cases, you, you know, you can judge the temperament of spiritual people that you preach to by their face. You know, I preach to people, and you're talking about sin, and they start squirming in their seat. Well, listen, I'm not, I'm not trying to make you uncomfortable. I'm preaching this so that you realize that you're in that sin, and you can get it out of your life. Yeah, it's going to make you uncomfortable. It's conviction of the Holy Spirit. Amen? But here he says, in, 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 in most cases, you can judge the spiritual temperature is what I'm saying about people, by their face. And want, that word want, or want in there. See it in 319? He says that heat the furnace one seven times more than it was want, won't to be heated. 
and that just means accustomed to what they were accustomed to, what they were used to. In, in fact, uh, you know, the Bible interprets itself, and so you know you don't have to go too far to figure it out. Uh, you go to the Book of Acts, and uh, you look at chapter sixteen and and verse number thirteen. I'm getting there as quickly as I can. Sixteen thirteen says. And on the Sabbath, we went out of the city by a riverside. We prayed, oh, where prayer was wont to be made, see, and, and won't to be made. And that was just means that that's, that was a, it was a custom. So he's going to light this furnace up seven times more than they're accustomed to lighten it. Verse 20 says, and he commanded the most mighty men that were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and to cast them into the burning fiery furnace, okay? Now, look. He's got he, he probably he probably thought they'd fight him. And and you know what? Uh and then no one wants to die, so they he they, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are about to go into this furnace and Nebuchadnezzar figures these guys are gonna fight, you know, and who knows uh uh what's gonna happen. So he gets the mightiest men to grab these guys. You know, he figures no one wants to die. Well, these men went willingly, just like Jesus did at Gethsemane. Just like he left the garden. Amen. Now, verse 21, then these men were bound in their coats, their hosen, their hats, and their other garments, and were cast into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Now, hosers are really like trousers or really a leotard type of thing. Ladies today would call them maybe pantyhose, okay, pantyhose. But they were, you know, that was the custom and address of the day underneath their clothing. Uh, Verse 22 says, uh, therefore, because the king's commandment was urgent and the fire exceeding hot, the flame of the fire slew those men that took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you know, and it's probably some type of a pit uh, that they're they're about to get thrown into, and uh, it's a shame. Uh, Verse 23 says that, and these Three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down, bound, they're tied up, and they fell down, bound into the midst of the fiery furnace. And then you look at verse 24. And verse 24 says, Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished and rose up in haste and spake and said unto his counselors, Did not we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? And they answered and said unto the king, True, O king, he, he's 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 a stone. He's 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 a stone. Astonished, he's petrified. He, what's going on here? Verse twenty-five says, he answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the capital S, Son of God. I want you to know something. We I, I briefly mentioned some of these new Bibles. And, and let me say something here. It says in the NIV, the NASB, and the RSV, they changed it from Son of God, right? They changed it, and look at verse 25 with me, all right? Like the Son of God. They said it looks like a Son of God. The is a definite article. The means that's the one. A could be any. You see, 
And so they've changed it. And those little subtle changes in your Bible have a significant effect upon the reading of the Scripture. And when you compare Scripture with Scripture, you see? Now, if he looks like a son of God, doesn't that go along with the Jehovah Witness Bible that says Jesus is a God? You see what I'm talking about? So then you they 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 figure, you know, they don't think Nebuchadnezzar can know who the Son of God is, and they figure he didn't have enough of knowledge. That's why they changed it. But do you know what? Galatians four, verse fourteen. Galatians four fourteen says. And my temptation, which was in my flesh, you despised not, nor rejected, but received me as an angel of God, even as Christ Jesus. All right? That's the Apostle Paul talking. Okay? Called an angel, an angel of God, you know, even Christ Jesus. You know, in the Old Testament, Jesus Christ is referred to as the angel of God. And people say, well, how could Jesus Christ be in the Old Testament? Well, Jesus Christ appeared in the Old Testament, and it's called a theophany, a theophany. It's the appearance of Christ before he was Christ crucified. And you can find that out if you study where Abraham is making intercession for Lot and them, playing a mamre. They get there. Three men appear. The two men go down. The third man stays, and Abraham stays, calls him Lord, and starts praying to him because he was Christ manifested in the flesh at the time. Now, Revelation 10.1 says, And I saw another mighty angel come down from heaven, clothed in a cloud, and a rainbow was upon his head, and his face was as were the sun, and his feet as a pillar of fire. Well, you know, he's, he's talking about Jesus Christ, okay, and that's a description an angel of the Lord, okay? And you know what? The word angel, you have to be careful because the word angel can be used as appearance, okay? Satan appears as an angel of light, okay, as an appearance of light. How does he do that? Well, he doesn't show up with wings. An angel is always a man in the Bible, and angels do not have wings. Sorry, folks. I'm, I'm sorry to give you the bad news that you believe something most of your lives or all of your lives, it just isn't true. You cannot find an angel in the Bible with wings. You can find cherub and seraphim, but you will not find an angel. They never appear with wings. They always appear as men. Okay? So let's get some of the fallacies out. Now you heard the real word of God today. And you can go back and tell your pastor that because the only place where there's any women with wings is when they're carrying a basket of fed, uh, figs when they throw the lead in it and said that's evil. Okay? So here's uh, in Acts 27, and, and you say, well, why are we doing this? Because we're comparing Scripture with Scripture. Don't you want to know that I'm telling you the truth? Don't you want to understand your Bible better? Well, I, I'm here to give you the whole counsel of God that God has given me, and I'm not I'm not going to hold it back from you. I want to share it with you. I want you to know it. I want you to be a better Christian and a stronger Christian than I'll ever be. Take what I know and, and grow, okay, uh, and put that with what you already know. In Acts chapter 27, in verse 20, remember, Paul was stuck in that storm, 
and he says to the people, and when neither sun nor stars in, in many days appeared, and no small tempest lay upon us, all hope that we should be saved was taken away. Okay? Then you get down verse 20. But after long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, ye should have hearkened unto me, and not have loosened from Crete, and to have gained this harm and loss. And now I exhort you to be of good cheer. For there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. Stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve. Paul didn't serve angels. He served God. And Jesus Christ is called the angel of the Lord. Okay? And so, but Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're in there. Okay? And, and, uh, uh, Verse 25, he answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Okay, then you get to um, verse 26, Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spake and said, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, you servants of the Most High God, come forth and come hither. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came forth of the midst of the fire. You notice he said, servants of the Most High God. In Hebrew, Elion. Elion. All right? And you find that in Genesis 14, 18. It's called the Most High God. The one who is supreme. The Lord who owns. Verse 27. And the prince, governors, and captains, and the king's counselors, being gathered together, saw these men upon whose bodies the fire had no power, nor was a hair of their head singed. Neither were their coats changed, nor the smell of fire had passed on them. Well, how about that? Then, then listen to what he says. Then Nebuchadnezzar spake and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants that trusted in him and have changed the king's word and yielded their bodies that they might not serve nor worship any God except their own God. Amen. Now look, he sent his angel. God sent his angel, Jesus. All right. And there, and there's the spiritual a lesson. As a believer, you and I are going to undergo times of testing and times of trial. And every temptation is not a trial, and every trial is not a temptation. But as believers, we're going to undergo times of trial and testing. But the truth is, stay faithful, and God will deliver you. Just because you don't, you know, just because you're doing right doesn't mean that you and I are not going to have trouble in our lives. We're going to have trouble. First Peter tells you in chapter 4, verse number 12, Peter says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's suffering, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. Amen? So here's how to be delivered. Number one, and delivered his saints that trusted in him. You see, number one, you need to trust God, okay? 
that and that's an important thing. Number two, they yielded their bodies. Jesus delivered you from the moment you were saved, and that deliverance continues to this day and beyond. It's all about surrender. And number three, he sent his angel, Jesus Christ, delivered them. Galatians 4.14, Revelations 10.1, Acts 27.20.23. Okay? And, and so, verse 29, let's end right here. Therefore, I make a decree that every people, every nation, remember, he, listen, Nebuchadnezzar, people say, well, everybody in the world didn't know about God. Oh, yes, they did. Yes, they did. Look and listen here. It says, therefore, I make a decree that every people, nation, and language which speak anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces, and their houses shall be made a dunghill, because there is no other God that can deliver after this sort. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Amen? Because there's no other God that can deliver after this sort, you see. The believer remnant of Israel in the tribulation, Nebuchadnezzar is a type of Antichrist, but Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're a type of the remnant that God has, that, and you're going to find that in, in, in the tribulation in Israel. And it's no more than a third of Israel is going to come through that tribulation. And next week, or Friday, if you tune back in on Friday, I'm going to give you those verses, and I'm going to show you that, that God has a remnant, and Israel must survive. Amen? You know, people say, prove the Bible. The Jew. Let's uh, have a quick prayer. We're out of time here. Father God, in the name of Jesus, Lord. We've come through this very quickly, this chapter, God, but we've covered a broad spectrum of Holy Scripture and truths, Lord. And, Lord, nothing with a human swing on it, all from your word of God, comparing Scripture with Scripture. May this thy people that have come to hear tonight, Lord, be blessed by this. Lord, may it help them to understand Matthew and Revelation. May they glorify you, be patient, and trust in you and you alone, Lord in these trying times, in the times which are about to come upon us. And if anybody's not saved, that they would give their life to Jesus Christ, because tomorrow is not promised. America's a land of sudden death. You can't even go grocery shopping. You don't know if you're coming home. You better know where you're going for all eternity. Jesus said, if you confess with your mouth, believe it in your heart, and tell God, you repent, you know you're a sinner, you're sorry for those sins, and you believe Jesus died, was buried, and resurrected, and he's at the right hand of the Father, and you want him to be your Lord and Savior, and you accept him, and you ask him, God has promised to save you. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. You need to save your soul. You need to give it to the Lord so it can be saved. Good night, folks. God bless you. Hey, Peter. Peter, I want to say that you got a lot of good comments here tonight. Uh, a lot of people that uh, participated, so uh, you did pretty good uh, tonight. And I think that carried over from last night when we had Brother Lewis on. Well, amen, Brother, and I hope that they were edified. And as we go through this book, we're going to get into some real meaty stuff here. And we're, you know, this is just Christ, Nebuchadnezzar, but we're going to get into some deeper things. And, and uh, you know, we're going to talk about, you know, uh, uh, his dream we're gonna, we're going to go back we're going to look at uh you know Israel and the tribulation the tribulation is a real time 
You know, I set up a chart in the church, and I taught on that chart, and folks can go back and look at that Bible study if they want to. It's on Bible Believers. Uh, it's at uh, Bible Believers Bible Study, uh, and it's on Facebook. And you can go back and look at that. And that chart lays out the beginning of eternity to, you know, the beginning of mankind. Yeah. From eternity I got somebody with their all hand the, up, too. just want to let you know that. All the way, but I'm all sorry, the way, sorry to interrupt you, but... All the way to the tribulation, the rapture, and the end, and the millennium reign. And when those people saw the chart and they realized the distance of human history and the prophetic prophecies that have been fulfilled and that are being fulfilled, they they were shocked. And they said to me, you know, can't we can't we put this in the library? And can't you do this? Can't people people need to see this? You know. And I said, well, people need to go to a sound doctrine Bible believing church, and they will see it instead of jumping up and down and giving it up for Jesus with your hands in the air, you know? <laughs> yeah. Let's see if who this person is with their hand up. Uh, I, again, I, just, uh, I don't censor anybody, so we'll, see. we'll keep it uh, to the point. Well, go ahead, Dave. Uh, mute it if it ain't. Hey, hey, hey Joe. Hey, how you doing? This is John Doe. I just wanted to say thank you so very much. I'm always blessed every time I hear Dr. Ventura, and I just really appreciate it. Even last night, I listened. I may not have called in to talk, but I definitely listened, and I was blessed. So I just wanted to give you a vote of encouragement and confidence. Go for it. I appreciate it. I need it. It helps spur me on to continue to study and learn and, and teach, get enough teaching in myself that I can share it to others. Thank you. Back to you. Well, thank you. That's a blessing, and, uh, you know, it's all because of Jesus. I tell people the only good – I'm just a nobody telling everybody about a somebody, and I'm glad that you were edified, and the Lord has blessed you, and certainly it blesses my heart. And, I, and I'll, I'm going to keep you in my prayers, John Doe, that the Lord strengthen you and that uh, uh, he has a plan for your life, and he brings it to the full – you know, the fruit to its fullest. And, and uh, have a good evening. Yeah, you never know who's Joe. listening out there. <laughs> you never know who's listening. See that? <laughs> Thank you, Joe. And I'm going to sign off. And God bless you and and uh, listening audience. And you have a wonderful evening. Yeah, you got to go. I understand. All right, I understand. Go ahead. All right, and uh, let's see here. I had a few other people here who did have their hand up, but that's all right. Um, I'll carry on with the podcast here. We're going to talk about the Federal Reserve and obviously money. Uh, Federal Reserve, again, very, very important subject. The Federal Reserve is what controls our economy. And Not, uh, to, not to interrupt you, Joe, but yeah. I want you to know, you know, you, you, you said quite a, quite a lot of things. A lot of people on the programs that come on, they're very knowledgeable constitutional law and things. And that segment you played on the fractional, uh, on the uh, Federal Reserve, that you should play again. That's that's. People would just get that in their heart, what needs to be done. Right, yeah, I gotta run. yeah. That's a good idea. I think that's what I'll do. All right, yeah, thanks. Appreciate it. All right, everybody, yeah, I guess you talked about last night, the Federal Reserve, and it gives solutions to the economy, real solutions that your politicians are not going to talk about, but you can talk about and tell your politicians what you want them to do to fix the economy because uh, we're in trouble. And they're talking about raising interest rates again, and you already see what the price of everything is out there right now. I mean, it's insane. I mean, people are struggling out there. So uh, uh, I suggest you listen to this. ...of the central bank, which gradually assumed the power to dictate credit policies 
to the banks of all the nations. For example, just as the Federal Reserve Act authorized the creation of a new national fiat currency called Federal Reserve Notes, the IMF has been given the authority to issue a world fiat money called Special Drawing Rights, or SDRs. To date, the IMF has created in excess of $30 billion worth of SDRs. Member nations are being pressured to make their currencies fully exchangeable for SDRs. In 1968, Congress approved laws authorizing the Fed to accept SDRs as reserves in the U.S. and to issue Federal Reserve notes in exchange for SDRs. What does that mean? It means that in the U.S., SDRs are already a part of our lawful money. And what about gold? SDRs are already partially backed by gold. And with two-thirds of world gold now in the hands of central banks, the money changers can go about structuring the world's economic future in whichever way they deem most profitable. Keep in mind, just as the Fed is controlled by its board of governors, the IMF is controlled by its board of governors, which are either the heads of the different central banks or the heads of the various national treasury departments dominated by their central banks. Voting power in the IMF gives the U.S. and the U.K., that is to say the Fed and the Bank of England, effective control. Just as the Fed controls the amount of money in the U.S., the BIS, IMF, and World Bank control the money supply for the world. So we see the repetition of the old goldsmith's fraud replicated on the national scale with central banks like the Fed and on the international scale by the three arms of the world central banks. Is this organization of the BIS, the IMF, and the World Bank, which we refer to collectively as the world central bank, presently expanding and contracting world credit? Yes. Regulations put into effect in 1988 by the BIS required the world's bankers to raise their capital and reserves to 8% of liabilities by 1992. Increased capital requirements put an upper limit to the fractional reserve lending, similar to the way cash reserve requirements do. What is this seemingly insignificant regulation made in a Swiss city eight years ago meant to the world? It means our banks cannot loan more and more money to buy more and more time before the next depression, as a maximum loan ratio is now set. It means those nations with the lowest bank reserves in their systems have already felt the terrible effects of this credit contraction as their banks scramble to raise money to increase their reserves to 8%. Hello, calls to raise money they had to the sell one stock, are being screened the by a smart call blocker. Please say your name after the tone, then press The lowest capital and requirements, and thus was the most affected by the regulation, has experienced a financial crash which began almost immediately in 1989, which has wiped out a staggering 50% of the value of its stock market since 1990 and 60% of the value of its commercial real estate. The Bank of Japan has lowered its interest rates to one-half of 1%, practically giving away money to resurrect the economy, but still the depression worsens. 
Due to the $20 billion U.S. bailout of Mexico, the financial collapse in that nation is already known here. Yet despite the bailout, the economy continues to be a disaster. One huge debt after another is rolled over as new loans are being made simply to enable Mexico to pay the interest on the old loans. In the south of Mexico, the poor have been in open revolt as every spare peso is being siphoned out of the country to make interest payments. It is important to note that a radical transfer of power is taking place as nations become subservient to a supranational world central bank controlled by a handful of the world's richest bankers. As the IMF creates more and more SDRs by the stroke of a pen on IMF ledgers, more and more nations borrow them to pay interest on their mounting debts and gradually fall under the control of the faceless bureaucrats of the World Central Bank. As the worldwide depression worsens and spreads, this will give the World Central Bank the power of economic life and death over these nations. It will decide which nations will be permitted to receive further loans and which nations will starve. Despite all the rhetoric about development and the alleviation of poverty, the result is a steady transfer of wealth from the debtor nations to the money changers' central banks which control the IMF and the World Bank. For example, in 1992, the third world debtor nations, which borrowed from the World Bank, paid $198 million more to the central banks of the developed nations for World Bank-funded purposes than they received from the World Bank. All this increases their permanent debt in exchange for temporary relief of poverty caused by prior borrowings. Already, these repayments exceed the amount of the new loans. By 1992, Africa's external debt had reached $290 billion, two and a half times greater than in 1980, resulting in skyrocketing infant mortality rates and unemployment, deterioration of schools, housing, and the general health of the people. The entire world faces the immeasurable suffering already destroying the third world and now Japan, all for the benefit of the money changers. As one prominent Brazilian politician put it, the third world war has already started. It is a silent war, not for that reason any less sinister. The war is tearing down Brazil, Latin America, and practically all the third world. Instead of soldiers dying, there are children. It is a war over the third world debt, one which has as its main weapon interest, a weapon more deadly than the atom bomb, more shattering than a laser beam. Although it would be absurd to ignore the pivotal role played by influential families such as the Rothschilds, the Warburgs, the Schiffs, the Morgans, and the Rockefellers in any review of the history of central banking and fractional banking, keep in mind, by now, central banks and the large commercial banks are up to three centuries old and deeply entrenched in the economic life of many nations. These banks are no longer dependent on clever individuals such as a Nathan Rothschild. Years ago, the question of ownership was important, but no longer. For example, both the Bank of England and the Bank of France were nationalized after World War II and nothing changed, nothing at all. They endure and continue to grow, now protected by numerous laws, paid politicians, and mortgaged media 
untouched by the changing of generations. Three centuries have given them an aura of respectability. The old school tie is now worn by the sixth generation's son, who's been raised in a system that he may never question as he is named to serve on the governing boards of countless philanthropic organizations. To focus attention today on individuals or families or to attempt to sort out the current holders of power serves little useful purpose and would be a distraction from the cure. The problem is far bigger than that. It is the corrupt banking system that was and is being used to consolidate vast wealth into fewer and fewer hands that is our current economic problem. Change the names of the main players now and the problem will neither go away nor even miss a beat. Likewise, among the hordes of bureaucrats working in the World Bank, central banks, and international banks, only a tiny fraction have any idea of what's really going on. No doubt they'd be horrified to learn that their work is contributing to the terrible impoverishment and gradual enslavement of mankind to a few incredibly rich plutocrats. So really, there's no use in emphasizing the role of individuals anymore. And the problem even transcends the normal spectrum of political right and left. Both communism and socialism, as well as monopoly capitalism, have been used by the money changers. Today, they profit from either side of the new political spectrum. The big government welfare state on the so-called left wing versus the neoconservative laissez-faire capitalists who want big government totally out of their lives on the right wing. Either way, the bankers win. Monetary reform is the most important political issue facing this nation. That clarified, let's proceed to the conclusions in the spirit Lincoln declared, with malice towards none, with charity towards all. At the start of this video, we ask a number of troubling questions. Let's be sure we've answered them. What's going on in America today? Why are we over our heads in debt? Why can't the politicians bring debt under control? Why are we over our heads in debt? because we're laboring under a debt money system that is designed and controlled by private bankers. Now, some will argue that the Federal Reserve System is a quasi-governmental agency, but the President appoints only two of the seven members of the Federal Reserve Board of Governors every four years, and he appoints them to 14-year terms, far longer than his own. The Senate does confirm those appointments, but the whole truth is that the President wouldn't dare appoint anyone to that board of whom Wall Street does not approve. Of course, this does not preclude the possibility that some honorable men may be appointed to the Board of Governors, but the fact is that the Fed is specifically designed to operate independently of our government, as are nearly all other central banks. Some argue that the Fed promotes monetary stability. We saw the current head of the Bank of England, Eddie George, claim that this was the most important role of a central bank. In fact, 
the Fed's record of stabilizing the economy shows it to be a miserable failure in this regard. Within the first 25 years of its existence, the Fed caused three major economic downturns, including the Great Depression, and for the last 30 years has shepherded the American economy into a period of unprecedented inflation. Again, this is not some wild conspiracy theory. It's a well-known fact among top economists. As Nobel Prize-winning economist Milton Friedman put it, the stock of money, prices, and output was decidedly more unstable after the establishment of the Federal Reserve System than before. The most dramatic period of instability in output was, of course, the period between the two wars, which includes the severe monetary contractions of 1920-21, 1929-33, and 1937-38. No other 20-year period in American history contains as many as three such severe contractions. This evidence persuades me that at least a third of the price rise during and just after World War I is attributable to the establishment of the Federal Reserve System, and that the severity of each of the major contractions, 1920-21, 1929-33, and 1937-38, is directly attributable to acts of commission and omission by the reserve authorities. Any system which gives so much power and so much discretion to a few men so that mistakes, excusable or not, can have such far-reaching effects is a bad system. It is a bad system to believers in freedom just because it gives a few men such power without any effective check by the body politic. This is the key political argument against an independent central bank. To paraphrase Clemenceau, money is much too serious a matter to be left to the central bankers. We must learn from our history before it is too late. Why can't politicians control the federal debt? Because all our money is created out of debt. Again, it's a debt money system. Our money is created initially by the purchase of U.S. bonds. The public buys bonds like savings bonds, the banks buy bonds, foreigners buy bonds, and when the Fed wants to create more money in the system, it buys bonds but pays for them with a simple bookkeeping entry which it creates out of nothing. Then this new money created by the Fed is multiplied by a factor of 10 by the banks thanks to the fractional reserve principle. So although the banks don't create currency, they do create checkbook money or deposits by making new loans. They even invest some of this created money. In fact, over $1 trillion of this privately created money has been used to purchase U.S. bonds on the open market, which provides the banks with roughly $50 billion in interest, risk-free, each year, less the interest they pay to some depositors. In this way, through fractional reserve lending, banks create over 90% of the money and therefore cause over 90% of our inflation. What can we do about all this? Fortunately, there's a way to fix the problem fairly easily, speedily, and without any serious financial problems. We can get our country totally out of debt in one to two years by simply paying off these U.S. bonds with debt-free U.S. notes, just like Lincoln issued. 
of course, that by itself would create tremendous inflation since our currency is presently multiplied by the fractional reserve banking system. But here's the ingenious solution advanced in part by Milton Friedman to keep the money supply stable and avoid inflation and deflation while the debt is retired. As the Treasury buys up its bonds on the open market with U.S. notes, the reserve requirements of your hometown local bank will be proportionally raised so the amount of money in circulation remains constant. As those holding bonds are paid off in U.S. notes, they will deposit this money, thus making available the currency then needed by the banks to increase their reserves. Once all the U.S. bonds are replaced with U.S. notes, banks will be at 100% reserve banking instead of the fractional reserve system currently in use. From this point on, the former Fed buildings will only be needed as a central clearinghouse for checks and as vaults for U.S. notes. The Federal Reserve Act will no longer be necessary and could be repealed. Monetary power can be transferred back to the Treasury Department. There would be no further creation or contraction of money by banks. By doing it this way, our national debt can be paid off in a single year or so, and the Fed and fractional reserve banking abolished without national bankruptcy, financial collapse, inflation or deflation, or any significant change in the way the average American goes about his business. To the average person, the primary difference would be that for the first time since the Federal Reserve Act was passed in 1913, taxes would begin to go down. Now there's a real national blessing for you, rather than for Hamilton's banker friends. Now let's take a look at these proposals in more detail. Here are the main provisions of a Monetary Reform Act which needs to be passed by Congress. We've drafted a proposed Monetary Reform Act which follows at the end of this tape. Of course, variations with the same results would be equally welcome. One, pay off the debt with debt-free U.S. notes. As Thomas Edison put it, if the U.S. can issue a dollar bond, it can issue a dollar bill. They both rest purely on the faith and credit of the United States government. This amounts to a simple substitution of one type of government obligation for another. One bears interest, the other doesn't. Federal Reserve notes could be used for this as well, but could not be printed after the Fed's abolished as we propose, so we suggest using U.S. notes instead. Two, abolish fractional reserve banking. As the debt is paid off, the reserve requirements of all banks and financial institutions would be raised proportionally at the same time to absorb the new U.S. notes, which would be deposited and become the bank's increased reserves. Towards the end of the first year of the transition period, the remaining liabilities of financial institutions would be assumed or acquired by the U.S. government in a one-time operation. In other words, they too would eventually be paid off with debt-free U.S. notes in order to keep the total money supply stable. At the end of the first year or so, all of the national debt would be paid, and we could start enjoying the benefits of full reserve banking. The Fed would be obsolete and anachronism. Three, repeal the Federal Reserve Act of 1913 and the National Banking Act 
1864. These acts delegate the money power to a private banking monopoly. They must be repealed, and the money power handed back to the Department of Treasury where they were initially under President Abraham Lincoln. No banker or person in any way affiliated with financial institutions should be allowed to regulate banking. After the first two reforms, these acts would serve no useful purpose anyway since they relate to a fractional reserve banking system. Four, withdraw the U.S. from the IMF, the BIS, and the World Bank. These institutions, like the Federal Reserve, are designed to further centralize the power of the international bankers over the world's economy, and the U.S. must withdraw from them. Their harmless functions, such as currency exchange, can be accomplished either nationally or in new organizations limited to those functions. Such a monetary reform act would guarantee that the amount of money in circulation would stay very stable, causing neither inflation nor deflation. Remember, for the last three decades, the Fed has doubled the American money supply every 10 years. That fact and fractional reserve banking are the real causes of inflation and the reduction in our buying power, a hidden tax. These and other taxes are the real reasons both parents now have to work just to get by. The money supply should increase slowly to keep prices stable, roughly in proportion to population growth, about 3% per year, not at the whim of a group of bankers meeting in secret. In fact, all future decisions on how much money will be in the American economy must be made based on statistics of population growth and the price level index. The new monetary regulators and the Treasury Department perhaps called the Monetary Committee, would have absolutely no discretion in this matter except in time of declared war. This would ensure a steady, stable money growth of roughly 3% per year, resulting in stable prices and no sharp changes in the money supply. To make certain the process is completely open and honest, all deliberations would be public, not secret, as meetings of the Fed's Board of Governors are today. How do we know this will work? Because these steps remove the two major causes of economic instability, the Fed and fractional reserve banking, and the newest one as well, the BIS, Bank of International Settlements. But most importantly, the danger of a severe depression would be eliminated. Let's listen to Milton Friedman on the single cause of severe economic depression. I know of no severe depression in any country or any time that was not accompanied by a sharp decline in the stock of money, and equally of no sharp decline in the stock of money that was not accompanied by a severe depression. Issuing our own currency is not a radical solution. It's been advocated by Presidents Jefferson, Madison, Jackson, Van Buren, and Lincoln. But it's been used at different times throughout Europe as well. Perhaps the best example is one of the small islands off the coast of France in the English Channel. Called Guernsey, it's been using debt-free money issues to pay for large building projects for nearly 200 years. Here we are on Guernsey, and this is the Guernsey flower and vegetable market. Guernsey is one of the most successful examples of just how well a debt-free money system can work. 
1815, a committee was appointed to investigate how best to finance this new market. The impoverished island could not afford more new taxes. So the state's fathers decided to try a revolutionary idea, issue their own paper money. They were just colorful paper notes backed by nothing, but the people of this tiny island agreed to accept them and trade with them. To be sure they circulated widely, they were declared to be good for the payment of taxes. Of course, this idea was nothing new. It was exactly what America had done before the American Revolution, and there are many other examples throughout the world. But it was new to Guernsey, and it worked miracles. This market is still in use, and remember, it was built for no debt to the people of this island state. But what if we follow Guernsey's example? How would the bankers react to these reforms? Certainly the international bankers' cartel will oppose reforms that do away with their control of the world's economies as they have in the past. But it is equally certain that Congress has the constitutional authority and responsibility to authorize the issuance of debt-free money, U.S. notes, and to reform the very banking laws it ill-advisedly enacted. Undoubtedly, the bankers will claim that issuing debt-free money will cause severe inflation or make other dire predictions. But remember, it is fractional reserve banking which is the real cause of over 90% of all inflation, not whether debt-free U.S. notes are used to pay for government deficits. In the current system, any spending excesses on the part of Congress are turned into more debt bonds, and the 10% purchased by the Fed are then multiplied many times over by the bankers, causing over 90% of all inflation. Our fractional reserve and debt-based banking system is the problem. We must ignore its inevitable resistance to reform and remain firm until the cure is complete. As the director of the Bank of England in the 1920s, Sir... Well, there you have it. There you have it, folks, right there. There's your answer to your economic woes right there. It's the only solution. And he does go on a little bit more about gold and everything. No, we don't want to back the dollar by gold because we've done that already. And two-thirds of the world's gold is already gone anyway. It's in the hands of the international bankers. Good luck getting it back. So, uh, or it's hidden in the Vatican someplace. Anyway, but, uh, yeah, so I've got uh, a couple people here who want to make some comments. So, uh, Let's see here. Let's uh, put, bring on uh, area code 209. Go ahead, 209. Uh, what's up, Joe? Shabaka Sankori coming to you from Sin City, Nevada. And uh, we're getting ready to go live, man, at uh, 9 p.m. in your time okay, zone. Okay, okay. I, I okay, will promote yeah. your show at the end. Send. I want to talk about the Federal Reserve here, right here. What do you? What's the oh, take oh. on the Federal Reserve? Okay, the Federal Reserve, okay, every last one of them bastards who run it need to be hooked and booked. They need to be arrested, yes. But but who are the international bankers? We don't know. We don't know who they are. It's a private banking cartel, offshore banking cartel. So what we need to do is repeal and abolish the Federal Reserve Act. Okay, that might be a step in the right direction, you know what I'm saying? I would have to perhaps do more research on it is because, like I said, you know, with me getting up in age, you know, my memory isn't what it has to be. Oh, and by the way, as far as with you tonight, 
What charges? I don't know if the sergeant is out there listening. I don't know if the sergeant is out there listening or not. Um, if I do come in contact with him, do you want me to give him a message? Oh yeah, please do. Yes, because we're charging him with desertion and abandoning his post on Grand Rising with Shabaka. But we hope he's okay, <laughs> and and, and uh, what have you, you know. And then to no, okay, but then too, but uh, as we all know, before Tricky Dick, you know what I'm saying. You know the president who was not a crook when he took the country off the uh, the. Uh, uh, gold standard you see what i'm saying that caused a major economical shift not only in the united states uh but throughout the world and then of course you got the colonizers well he had to Chewbacca. he had to because the international bank was see the gold standard and backing the dollar with gold that's why i was just saying he was going to talk about that earlier it was creating the same problems with inflation and deflation so we were not going to get anywhere with that. You didn't get that. What the, the outline proposal that he uh, proposed in this, uh, pot, uh, you know, at the end here is the only way that we can get back to a sound currency and honest money. But uh, real quick here, before I take my next caller, uh, uh, promote your show. Go ahead and promote your show. Go ahead. Uh, Okay, thank you. Okay, yeah, we're doing Shabaka's Black Experience in hands, you know, within the next half hour. The phone number to call in is 516-418-5996. And what we're talking about is uh, colonialism and energy. So, uh, yeah, and it was inspired by a guest uh, who will be on tonight, you know what I mean? And with it being spooky day and all, you know what I'm saying? We're probably going to learn some uh, hard, cold uh, facts that are uh, getting ready to come about. Okay, so please uh, call in, you know, at uh, 516-418-5996. And please send all hate mail, um, you know, to our uh, to our inbox, you know, on Blog Talk, to our chat room. As you know, Joe, we read all our hate mail, all our insults, people who hate us and what have you. Well, we've we got really a lot of people on the Internet, you know. The Internet's unregulated, oh, yeah. so that's what we get, you know. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, and we do uh, welcome all comments. Comments, criticisms, insults, ignorance, and what have you. And if you want to make a name for yourself, regardless if we're with you or not, you know, uh, feel free, you know, to come in with the hate mail to the chat room. And please call the number and press one. You know, as we do on your show, Joe, you will be live on the air. Okay, so we look forward to having a dynamic conversation tonight because we do have a guest speaker. I'm not going to say his name. I'm going to let him introduce himself. Okay, Joe. So okay. we'll see you all in a few all minutes. Right. Okay. All right. All right. Thank you, Tabaka. Appreciate it, man. Thank you. Uh, let me see if I got uh, Peter Ventura here, if he's still on here or not. I don't know if he is or not. Uh, Peter, are you still there? Maybe not. I don't know. I see his number there. He's listening, but I don't know if he can talk. Peter, are you still there or not? Okay, he can't talk. All right, he had his hand up, so. Uh, all right, I mean, he still pressed one. It could have been from earlier. Okay, all right, so uh, any comments or any uh, about the topic at hand um, with the Federal Reserve? I mean, this is your money we're talking about here. This is the problems that we face. This is the inflation that you're paying out there. This is the pain at the pump that you feel. Gas prices, the reasons for gas prices, the way they are and how much they are, this is why you're paying what you're paying, what I just played for you earlier. 
That is the 100% reason. It has nothing to do with Bidenomics. It has nothing to do with anything else these people are doing. The Federal Reserve controls the economy, okay? It controls monetary policy, okay? That's a fact. Nobody else controls your paycheck but the Federal Reserve, and that's a fact. I know you may think otherwise, but it's really true. When it boils down to the end of the game, at the end of the day, the Federal Reserve owns all and owns us, okay? They own the monetary policies of this country. They control the prices. They control the inflation and deflation through the fractional reserve banking system that they use. Your taxes do not pay for the fire trucks or the roads to be paved or the police officers. Your taxes do not pay for that. Your taxes go to pay the interest that the, that the Fed loans to our government at the debt-based notes called the, called what? Federal Reserve notes, okay? All right, so, and, and this, this documentary, for those who want to know about it, it's a three-and-a-half-hour-long hour, three documentary called The Money Masters, and it's probably the best documentary out there that explains the Federal Reserve. I know people don't have three and a half hours to sit down because they're all out working 80 hours a week just at their, you know, at their, you know, just over broke jobs. Um, and uh, they don't have time. They don't have time to engage. So this is one of the issues that I will be bringing up as running for public office here in North Carolina is uh, I would like to bring up is the Federal Reserve being audited uh, and, and each state actually coming up with the, their sort of debt, um, non-debt-based uh, currency where they can have their, uh, their own bartering system that may, maybe towards the end, maybe way down the road, we can get rid of the bartering system altogether because you know what? The world has just enough for everybody if we all just do and live and self-govern ourselves and start living moral lives and stop being greedy and wanting to take and control others, guess what? The world could be a beautiful place. Just think of all the technology and, and inventions that we've come up with today compared to 300 years ago. We don't have to have this money changer system that controls us. We don't have to be controlled every day by people who are, who are in government that are telling us what to do and we're legislative slaves. I think John Doe said that the other night there, legislative slaves. And, and we don't have to live this way. We can live free. But, you know, then we go back to what Peter was talking about earlier, you know, uh, no biblical prophecy and whatnot, you know. We can have an awakening. I believe, that, you know, God will, can heal, heal the land. We can repent. Uh, it's up to us. You know, some people are, I guess, really wanting the rapture to happen and wanting to get out of here and just, you know, have, have it, throw their hands up and say, enough. I forgot to ask Peter that, what, if, how that uh, what what what's the Bible say about that actually? You know because you know you know that old saying, "Evil flourishes when uh, good men do nothing." And uh, I just can't see God rewarding a population of people that just you know want to sit back and not and allow the evil to run rampant. You know, I just can't see him being happy with that. So. Where's it come? You know, what level of activism should we be a part of? How should we be? Uh, should we just pray? I mean, surely the founding we wouldn't have America right now if we just prayed because <laughs> we know the founders picked up the musket. You know, I mean, so where do you draw the? I mean, where do you draw the line? So that that's a very interesting uh, uh, question there. Let's bring on two, three, four. Let's see what they got to say. Well, 
You want to know the, who owns the, the uh, Federal Reserve? Let's go back to Roman the Christi- aristocrats, the families back then, who didn't get in tie with the uh, British and the crown. And it all falls back to guess who owns everything in your, your name and everything else. It's when you're born, you're not a, a nothing but a dead entity because they steal you, they, they claim you're dead, and then they borrow money on you. Well, so the bank, yeah, the, the reserve. Yeah. <laughs> we got to do a whole lot of a whole lot of house cleaning. Well, the Federal Reserve is owned by you know, yeah, it's not a single name anymore, like he was saying. To, to you know, it's, it's a group of people. You know, it's not just one Rothschild yeah. anymore. It's a group of people. It's never, uh, been, it's never been a federal American, an American government um, business. It's not an American. It's a it's a foreign. Federal Reserve, which was it, it still is owned by the British Crown. That's who we filed bankruptcy well, with. Well, yeah, it, 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 it is. <laughs> I know that. I understand that. It's in the Bank of and England, and and, gotta... and the money masters really goes into that. But but again, though, what really shocks me is is that the ignorance and level of ignorance of the patriot community out there that that still make the comments like with the food stamps or the people crossing the border, my taxes are being strained, my taxes, and that's yeah. just an ignorant. That's just the ignorance. Shit. Yeah, well, your taxes yeah. don't pay for nothing exactly. No, they don't pay. That's why if you watch your city council. Or your uh, your local government meetings that they have, you can get them on Zoom just about in every city. You'll see the actual bickering in my city. It's all Democratic, so you think they would all get along because they're all getting government money. But the bickering that goes on because our tax money doesn't give them a damn thing. They just raised my property taxes 35%. One time, 35%. 35%. I can't believe it. So it's not a, your property, it's not your property taxes nope. just went up thirty five percent. Thirty five percent. You can Google it. Everybody, in, in Eric is looking at Akron like we've lost our mind. They have, but the I, mean, I got to Google that. They want, they want all the federal that's money. Thirty five percent. How are you going to survive? How do you survive that? They don't want you to survive. Yo, that's the whole thing with everybody around. And if you look at BlackRock and uh, Vanguard. Their whole intention is to buy up every bit of land that they can, every house. That's why you see all these homes that can be bought up by these people for cash money because somehow or another they're tied into them. When they yeah, own how did they, how, did, how were the county commissioners in your town able to pass that without the public going into uproar? I mean, where was the public? Because there are a bunch of de- – my, in my area, that I, I'm, I got stuck here because I was born here. I'm leaving, though. Is a bunch of democratic dumbasses. I call them the Democrats. Well, it's, yeah, yeah. Well, the Republicans and the Democrats bad. are just—they're just as guilty. Well, but bad, but, but I, I mean, they, they, they are not. They're all in the same boat together. If you put if you send them out to war, they're coming back and they're going out together. So they're they're all doing the same thing. Just got a D and an R in front of them. They're, it's I could say some real choice words, but I won't. But they're not. They're not here for us. They're not. They, if they did, you'd have a guy like Jim Trafficking that was put in prison because they, they, they've made him out to be a uh, embezzler and uh, racketeering because that's what they had to do to shut his mouth, put him in prison, just like they wanted – I mean, I'm no Donald Trump friend. They want to put Donald Trump in prison because he's going to start pulling chains on people that, hey, you're linked with these people, bang, bang, bang. Which, which country do you, are you sold your soul to? Boom, you owe them money. Okay, you're done. He wants people locked up. That's why they don't want Donald Trump in office. People don't understand. It's not about a vote. Donald Trump's trying to put people in prison. That's it. 
I don't. And if, if anybody's got balls in this country, any balls, any other, any other Republican or Democrat, they do the same thing that Donald Trump is doing, except they do it a little less blatantly. But that's the only way that this country's going to turn 180 degrees. Yeah, yeah, it says it right here. Yeah. Lock these assholes up. They yeah, all right. Yeah, watch, 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 them. watch, watch. Yeah, watch your language, you know please. I mean? They can do whatever uh, they you know, want to be. I don't care if they I know, but I've got to edit this show. Right, listen, the property taxes. Hang on, time out. Hang on, the property taxes. The property taxes, the property tax property value increases could hit Ohio taxpayers. It says value estimates from 20 to 43%. Wow. told you, Mike. I got my paperwork. With a 35% increase. Yeah, yep. well, you ain't lying. The whole value was at 70000 They did a Here's what they did. They did a six-year assessment, and they did a, a drone flyover, if you can believe this shit. And I bought a 24 by 24 steel building garage to put my race car in. And I, it's not attached to my house, but it's just one of them. It's a steel building. It's got a, a, a roof and sides on it, and I put a garage door on it. It's not insulated or nothing like that. It doesn't have concrete. It's put down uh, asphalt. They raised my property, my, my, my home value went from $65,000 to 97000 over that drone flyover. Okay, well, well, what they're doing, okay, well, they're, they're, they're increasing your that property value. Okay, they're increasing well, your property value, but the tax rate won't go up 35% just because of that. No, 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 I mean, no, that's it, no. The taxes, the property tax is up. Third, that's my paperwork. My property value went up. Not everybody's around me did that. Don't, don't, don't get me wrong here. Because I made improvements, sure, it's going to go up. But every six years they do this assessment. It's not, not even a, visit or a, a physical one. They just do a drone flyover, like a Google Earth thing. And if they see that something's under a roof, they, like, they calculate it. And then they say, okay, after that, and we'll figure these taxes, blah, blah, blah. But that's, I got my paperwork. It's not property value. It's 35% tax increase on property taxes. They want to wipe you out. They want to foreclose on all these homes. They want to take everything they can because that's what they do. Well, yeah. Well, well yeah. I don't, see how, I don't see how people on a budget can, can afford to, to have a 30. If you're paying $5,000 a year. You know, and then you get a 35% increase in taxes. Your your bill, bill just went yep. up like uh, 2,500 bucks. You know, I mean, you know, or, tw- or excuse me, 20, $2,100. $2, $2, $2, $2, $2, $2, $2, $2, $2, That's $2,000 more you're yeah. paying in taxes every year. How could you afford that? That's, That's right. impossible. Well, you, you, know? you, you won't hear in Akron because you'll see, if you see the, the, the actual homelessness rate going up in Akron, it's outstanding. Ten cities. Wow. Now you can go to uh, Walmart or uh, Home Depot and get yourself a tarp and a tent, and you'd be better off because then you can at least pick it up and move when they yeah. tell you to move. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I just don't understand, but, though. I mean, I just can't see that. That's that, that's flooded. insane. They're not here like in droves. They're just leaving. Everybody's leaving. It's got any sense. But then you have the people that are stuck that are on the uh, on the government assistance or in the Section Eight housing where they don't have to pay that. See there? Yeah. That's what I want to know. Yeah. This Vanguard and this BlackRock, if they're buying all these properties, and, they, and they've made a sweep through here, and they still call me and want to give me $125,000 to my house, and I say no, but should I? Should I just stay the hell with it and get out from under this? Because if I don't, and something goes south, and I don't have the jobs or the work that I do, goes get slow, I won't be able to afford that. And then I'm going to lose my home. Well, now I'm sitting on about $100,000 in equity. Cash is out that I'm ahead. Yeah. And they, they want to take it. Wow. They want to take it. 
Everybody, they want everybody to be homeless or have to live in a damn uh, a high rise building in a little, it's almost like a prison cell, but a high rise where you can have, you can go ten minutes out each way. And if you if you look at they're doing Colorado too. Yeah, they're doing Colorado too. Fifteen minute city, and then Cleveland's going to be the first one to do it. They've already voted it in. Wow. If, if, if it's wow. not that, if it's not that, it's that place out there in uh, Hawaii. If they didn't level that place for that deal, they might have done it for that too. What's Mansion Global? What's what? Mansion Global? What is that? Mansion Global. Mansion Global. Uh, yeah. That's probably a, uh, an after or a market a company that's probably dealing with multiple uh, purchasing agents that would be home buyers or uh, property owners. You know, buy they probably deal with them, all kinds of them. But they're one big focus group, I would imagine. Anything that says global, that's what they do. They focus on mass purchases in bulk. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And cheaper. Well, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you one thing, though. As a podcaster, though, as a podcaster, you know, again, you know, I don't see – I don't see the level of support for everybody coming out, you know, supporting the, you know, this this idea that I had of us having a voice and unifying together. I see only a few select people supporting each other, and others are being left out, and I'm one of them. So mm-hmm. I think I'm going to stop you having people call into other shows, and I'm going to stop calling in too, you know, because uh, you know we're and not going to support each other. There was a call made a little bit ago from somebody that come in and said that uh, they want to charge somebody with treason for not being part. You know what? Take that crap somewhere else. You're not going to charge stars <laughs> with nothing, number one. It's all nonsense, and it's just propaganda to push your show on somebody else's show. So stick that up your beep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What did, what did they say? Well, hang on. What did they say? I missed that one. What happened? He said something about he was going to charge stars uh, with treason or something about turning on the black people or something like that. I don't I listened to this show for 16 minutes, and I lost 16 minutes of my life. I wish I could get back. <laughs> well, anybody who wants uh, to participate around in the podcast, press one. Yeah, we only got nine minutes left. Six five seven three eight three zero six one six. Press number one. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. Like right now. The weather down here is cold, and I don't like it. <laughs> it's oh, 45 true. degrees. Well, snow tonight. We're down 80, 40 already 80, here. It's been snowing tonight. It was 83 degrees yesterday. Sure. <laughs> Let me see if I got Stop Peter Ventura here want to talk here. Hang on. You there, Peter? You want to talk? Yeah, I'm here. I'm listening. Oh, okay. I, uh, very interesting. Yeah, and he's right. And they do come up, you know, every six years or so. They just did ours up here. They didn't raise the mill rate that much. But, uh, you know, what, what they did in some of the small towns, like in California in Imperial Beach, which is only 13 blocks, the whole city. And what they did was they they took along the coast uh, all these properties and and they turned them into a uh, – they put businesses on the bottom and apartments and on the top, and so they could increase uh, their tax rate. You know what they're doing here, wow. what they're trying to get away with? It's called a bed and breakfast or a B&B. That's what they're trying to do here to, to fight around that or weasel their way around. They're doing a – the people can stay upstairs and they can eat downstairs. And it's like – I know exactly what you're talking about, doctor. It's, you're exactly right. There's a way for yeah. them to get around it because they're, they're the ones behind it. They're the ones driving the, the stuff like that. And they all but need to be how, taken out and flogged. Yeah, but that's how they kept the uh, tax rate without, without bringing the people's tax rate up. They increased their right. income. 
the tax rate by, you know, and that's not a that's not a stupid idea. It's all beachfront property. So, you know, it's How much is, is it crazy, crazy, crazy money to live in California now? It's, I mean, isn't the astronomical numbers? I mean, I'm talking like either California and New York are both so ridiculously high for a, the price of a regular home, like a, 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 I would say a single-family home. I thought I heard somebody say it was over $300,000. How in God's name can somebody – how can you in afford order, that? In order to live in a year. In order to live San Diego County and own a home, an individual has to make one hundred and ten to one hundred twenty thousand dollars a year. That's just to live. There. Oh my, that's unreal. That's not you even. Know? That's not even human. That you can't live like that. How are you supposed no. to? And you're supposed. What are you supposed to do? Get. You're supposed to go to bed, wake up, go to work. All day while you're working, you got to think about what you're going to eat for lunch if you have a lunch. And then at lunchtime, you got to start calling and telling your other job that you're going to be late because you have to work over at the first job you're at. So when you get to your second job and you still haven't had lunch, you call your wife and say, I'm not coming home tonight because I'm going to go ahead and go work the third job so that we can pay for now all this and I have nothing to like it. Kiss well, see, what ass. I did, I had, a home. I, had a home that, I had a home that was six blocks from the ocean, and that home was worth $700,000. But over the years, before I met my wife, it was her home. That home, uh, she had bought it originally for a hundred grand, and she just, you know, took care of her children. She was in the military, and they kept refinancing this house. So there's no way I was ever going to get any out of the house, even if I Upside sold. Upside down on that one, yeah. Even so, what I did was, one year, the house value increased in California eighty-five thousand dollars a home. That's what our home went up, eighty-five grand. And I said, "Okay, I'll show you what to do with that." So I <laughs> took a VA loan, right? Got it at three point five. Took that money and put it all back in, you know, back into whatever we wanted. Pay all the bills, whatever we wanted to do, because you're never going to pay that right, out. Get everything else squared away. Yeah. I wish I never sold my property last year, Peter. I wish I never sold that other house I had last year. I wish I never sold that, you know, because that was income. I walked away out of that mess without getting bankrupt because, you know, that all happened before I married her. But I walked away with that and left the state of California, and all I made on that home was five grand. Oh, my God. I'd be sick to my stomach. That's it. Well, And I was glad. (laughs) Don't you see? I had I had a question. I had a question I had to ask you, Peter, because uh, before I forget, uh, people that you know, we say you said last night on your show, pray, uh, pray, pray. You know, we have to pray. Well, it, do we just pray? I mean, where do you draw the line? Because if you just not get involved, I mean, like, like how far are you able to get involved? As a, because we know the founders, they pick up picked up a musket. You know, I mean, well, how far? Do you, you know, where do you draw the line? Well, I I think that. Um, I think that's up to the individual and the individual's conscience onto where you want to draw the line, you know. But I, I don't think that – I think we're, when I say pray, you know, God give a fellow wisdom, and uh, that's what you're praying for. You're, you're praying for wisdom uh, to know what to do. And, and, you know, to say to me, well, you know, what points an armed rebellion? Well, that's a good question. You know, uh, the first problem is they never had a leader. And the second part is we've been in a revolution, and, and people don't realize you're already in a revolution, only it's being fought without weapons. 
Yeah. And so, uh, yeah. you know, it comes down to remember where you're at. You, you say people don't call in and people won't talk and people aren't doing anything. You know why? Well, first of all, the government's got them raped, all right, every day. They're beat to death. They're just trying to make a living. And people are flying here and there. And they don't have time really to think about the political situation of the country or their their life or what's the future. All they know is they got to make these bills and they got to pay them off. And it's all about me. It's the this whole generation is about me. It's I told you the guy said he was at the museum and at the Louvre in Paris and he was visiting Paris and he wanted to see the Mona Lisa. And he went there to take some pictures of it. He couldn't get near it because everybody was taking pictures, but they weren't taking pictures of the Mona Lisa. They were taking pictures of them standing in front of the Mona Lisa. See, it's all <laughs> about me, iPhone, I, I. And so, you know what? There's the old saying, like I said last night, some people don't smell crap until it hits them in the face. Yeah. So as a yeah. I stand, I uh, speak out when I can and, 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 I'm limited in that sense, but I'm doing all I can. Well, I know we got a lot of patriots around the country locked up, you know, in in concrete boxes right now, you know, uh, that don't belong there. We got, you know, we did the prison industry complex, you know, uh, and it's a shame. And and I tell you what, that's Donald Trump didn't free nobody. You know, he should have freed when he was president. He could have freed so many people that are sitting in federal prison. That's another problem I had with him. We'll see what he does this time around because we know he's going to get elected. He probably has to free himself first. But you know, <laughs> you know, but uh, we, we're pretty sure he's going to be elected. I mean, if we if we make it to the elections, I mean, from what I hear, uh, they're trying to derail that. So. Well, you know, get the country a martial law, and and we'll have to hold off the elections because we're at war. And you know what? People can't get to the polls. Yeah. You know, a, yeah. You know, but I say within the next six months, whatever's going to happen, it's going to be vicious. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I don't think they can suspend the elections. I don't think they can suspend the elections because of a war. I don't know. I know that maybe they can't, but I don't know. They've got to figure out a way to keep him out other than assassinate him. Yeah, the Constitution says, does the Constitution allow for a delayed presidential election? It says, in general, a combination of state congressional actions could delay elections, but not postpone the selection of a president and vice president. So that's what it says right there, um, you know. Can the president suspend the elections? It says, you know, uh, can the president suspend the elections? And the answer is no. So, you know, he can't. He can't. There are no. There, there are no extraordinary powers a president can use. So, you know, so, uh, you know, so they can't. You know, 47 U.S. Code 606, war powers of the president, U.S. Code. Uh, um, no, they can't. They can't suspend elections even with that. So no, so you, they can't. You know, but you never know with these criminals. I mean, they do whatever they want anyway. They're all, they're all a law onto their own. You know. <laughs> they do. You know, the rhinos. You got all these Republicans in there. They they can't say anything because they're just as dirty as the rest of them. Only they ain't been caught. So they figure if they say anything, they'll come after them. 
Yeah, you got that right. You got that right. Well, I guess we're going to get ready to wrap it up here. I guess any uh, any uh, any final thoughts or anybody got something they want to talk about? I know the call board is full, but nobody's pressing one. I know I got a couple of people here, Tave and Peter. So anything you want to say here before we wrap it up, or uh, Peter first, or Tave first, whatever. God bless America. No. So you, we're we're in perilous times, and and you know what? It may come down where you're going to have to protect you and yours. And that, and that's you know from all sides. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, but don't yeah. lose faith. Don't lose faith. God's in control. He knows all about it. It's hard. It's hard. You know, I tell you what, these past couple months have been really testing to my point where you know I think it's because through the elections coming up, you know, but I just did. They just don't see anything good coming out of anything anymore. You know, I'm, I'm gonna continue fighting, but I just don't have that that energy anymore. You know, I mean, to push forward, to, 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 to you know, be excited. Yeah, it's sapping all of you us. Know. It's just called discouragement. But yeah. you, you can't discourage. Yeah. You've got to keep pressing forward. You know? Yeah, I, that's I gotta, true. That's true. Well, Joe, if you need something to, you need something to pep you up or wake you up, I have something to happen to me and my dog. What's that? I'm sick of it. <laughs> when I told you she had messed about my dog and me getting pizza the other day. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Immigrants. Yep. Yep. Makes my dog inside in my own vehicle with the windows up except they're cracked about, you know, three inches where he can't get his big head out because he's only 165 pounds. Uh, so he can't even stick his head out the window. But I don't know if they walked up and did it or they, they just uh, they, they pulled up and parked next to me. I wasn't paying attention when I got out, went in, and I stood in line for about two minutes, and then the people online are like, what are the people doing with that dog? And I looked over my shoulder, and I said, what the? And I dropped my pizza box. I dropped my change. I ran right out the door, and it was on. They were spraying me. And in, in, in my truck at my dog, it had could done nothing to him. I should have let him out. They'd been better what off happened? Dog well, what did you do? Me. What was the end result? I got what was the end result? I got one, knocked one, of, knocked one of them out. And then the guy I tried to get a hold of, was he was trying to run from me, and his girlfriend or wife or whoever was come around the other side of the car, boy, she had a can of bear spray and peeled me down the side of my face in my mouth. And he got away. And I, needless to say, I couldn't see worth a crap. And my dog's already choking to death. And I told her, I she said, you get, you? get my path. To go. Huh? She bear sprayed you? Absolutely. Oh, did. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Bear spray, not pepper spray. You get arrested. You get arrested, right? No, no, the cops don't come in Athens. They don't come. You can commit murder you know in Athens and they don't come. I keep it's unbelievable. That thing shoots twenty. It's times. unbelievable. I should have let the dog out, so, but I didn't. Yeah, well, so what's up? Nobody want him to go to town. So is the dog okay now? Yeah, he's okay. I just had to come home. I had to give him a bath five times, and then, uh, I mean, I still it feels like I still have a. Uh, Blisters on my face, my eyelid, my in my right side, my ear. I told and I told her, I said, I, I said, I can only see with one eye. I said, I don't know what to tell you. I said, but if you get in me, between me and that truck before I get to it, I'm knocking you out next. And I got in my yeah. truck, and when I backed up, Joe, I don't know if I ran over the guy and knocked out or not. I don't even care. I don't care. <laughs> that's what this. I'm that's sure you run them over. So. Portland, is, uh, you know, I can't even imagine what went on when they were burning them cities down. Uh, wow. I can't imagine. Kyle, like Kyle I don't Rittenhouse understand. Did, 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 yeah. 
I just don't understand why they would it's just spray your dog inside of a car like that. I just don't understand Probably that. startled them, and, they, and they're probably, I mean, if they're from Mexico or wherever they're from, because my dog looks like a, a red-nosed pit bull, but he's about two feet taller and about 100 pounds heavier. And he's an intimidating individual, and this is to say the least. If he barks, he shakes the windows, and he scares them. Well, they don't know what's going on in America, so if they think it's comical, that they're going to taunt this animal. Hey. Yeah, yeah, never you're mind right. The do- they never don't mind know. the dog. Beware the owner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I just, yeah I can't you're right. It. You know, these people in all these cities and all across America, we talk about how Texas is, has to worry about this and Arizona. We are all, every state in this country now is a border state. Do not think any different because they are, if you, they're not there yet, they're coming. They are coming, and I didn't think I would have a problem where I'm at until it actually happened. And I'm telling you, it changed everything. My my whole thought process now has gone on my hip instead of in my council in my car because I even get out of my car and I lock it while it's running because I have my key fob. But I don't want to carry the gun inside the pizza shop because I'm in a bad neighborhood and I don't want to have the trouble with it right there. But I know the people and I respect them because they post a sign on the door. I'm just going to be in there in two minutes. That two minutes could have cost me my life the other day because I didn't have that gun on me. Never again. Never again. Yeah. I'll take a put yeah, sign right. on it. I won't, right. I won't support your business. I won't patronize you. Yeah, nope. Well, yeah, you should have been doing that to begin with. Yeah. They got right. a gun-free zone. I mean, they got one of those signs up well, there, you know, that says Second Amendment bans or it. something. Yeah, you shouldn't go in. You know? You know, and, uh, don't support America needs to wake up because this is getting bad. Really bad. I mean, they don't even tell you how many people are coming across the border anymore every day. How many? Yeah, well, how that's many That's how they all What's got killed in Maine. It, that's how they got killed in Maine. It was a gun-free zone. Yeah, nobody had a gun. Yeah. You know? And then you have, yeah. and then you have an incident. Oh, I think it was in Indianapolis or Chicago where there's a mall, and a guy comes in, and he's got a rifle, but there's actually a younger guy that had a, a, a pistol. And he set up and he turned and he and he took a couple shots at this guy and took him down. And he's a bad guy. He's a bad guy because he kills the guy that's killing people. What the? The world is going to hell in a handbasket. Excuse my French, but I mean a handbasket is hand woven and it's usually pretty, uh, whatever you want to say. It can go up like a, uh, oh, what do you call when you throw something on the fire? Yeah, gone. We don't burn the door, burn the basket out right from under us. We don't have a chance anymore if, we don't, if it doesn't if it doesn't happen soon. It's too far gone. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's a shame. Doing? I'm well. You know, that's not good. Well, it's a good thing you could have got jumped that day. You know, and, you know, there could have been five or six of them out there, and they jumped you, and then what? You would have, and they or had they had a knife or something. You know, you'd be. Well, that's, right, it, you're right, all done. that's my point. Yeah, most of them carry a knife anyway. But here's the best part. Yeah. I, I, I have a nine millimeter. And I carry I carry two different rounds in my 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 God. My first two shots out of the coming out of the gate are pep or uh, what they call pest control rounds. Like if you run into the, the woods or you're somewhere like in I don't know, say you're in a Red Rock Canyon or something, you know, you're in your jogging or riding a mountain bike or something. You come across a mountain lion or you come across a snake. This round is good for about ten feet, and it's like bird shot out of a hand, uh, a pistol. It's well, one thing I can call real, remember. Remember the 21-foot rule. Yeah. By the time you've got that? a holster on, pistol it out, that guy's got 21 feet. That's all it takes to get yeah. to you. That's, That's right. Yeah. That's a bad you better have it. You better be quick on the jaw because I actually have a uh, – it's called the praying mantis. I have a, uh, 
a tactical dry fire thing set up in my basement where I can actually just just quit drawing in, in you know accuracy from. You better hope you're accurate within 20 feet. If you're not, you probably ought to be carrying a shotgun. That's, that'll tell you a lot about people. Well, I think, if they're, I think if they were unarmed and you had your gun and you shot them, you'd probably be looking at jail time because I don't think they – I don't know how the laws right, are in Ohio. But, you know, well, so. here's the, here's the best – here's the thing. The pest control round, I could yeah. shoot you right in the face with it from 10 feet away, and it's not going to do nothing but blister you up like you would like to – you got whooped. Read burners. Read burners. I need burners that you – yeah. It's a B-Y-R-N-A. You can go online and look at them. They're 60-61 caliber ball. It comes with pepper spray or uh, or tear gas or a solid ball. And that thing will stop a person at 60 yards. Right. CO2, unlike a pellet though? gun. You know when you put a pellet gun, you put the CO2 in it, it leaks right away. This this here, you put mm-hmm. the CO2 it doesn't open up until you fire the first shot, and they come with a five-shot I watched clip. a video the other day. This guy's uh, he's, he's been inventing different things for the government for drones, different ammunition, different types of deployment systems. But they actually came out with the guy that's been doing it for the government. To try, I guess he had a, a change of heart. He then de- developed, which it looks just like a paintball gun, a system that if you if you're worried about drones, they've got now. It looks like it's about the size of a paintball. You can have different uh, – It can. it's like an EMP to it. You can fire it. You can fire a burst of them, and it will take down a drone. It will uh, dismantle or shoot a wet little uh, cable up in the air to get ta- caught up into its propellers. It's insane. But I, I won't hey, – I got my AR and my Glock, and I'll carry – you can hear my round right here. That little jewel, jewel sounds like a bag of Tic Tacs. That's the first two coming out of the gate are that. If I have to go into the third one, well, then I'm, I know I'm in trouble. I'm out to take my shots and do what I got to do because if I can't get done what I got to get done in two shots and let be safe, then it's it's it's, it's life or death situation the way I see it. Well, my yeah, daddy, I'm, yeah, I'm we don't. Shot. My daddy talks, and I don't promote gun violence whatsoever. I'm just completely as a self defense mechanism. And the more people that carry guns in more states, you see, there's less crime. That's a fact. Yeah. Yeah. My daddy taught me and one you thing. He you'll never get out. rid of all the guns. You can't get rid What's of that, all the guns. Those always have all the guns. <laughs> my daddy taught What's me that, one Peter? thing. When I wanted to start hunting, my daddy took me to Sears and Roebuck, and he bought me a single <laughs> shot, three-quarter three choke Remington shotgun. And he said to me, son, if you can't kill it on the first shot, you ain't hunt, you shouldn't be hunting. That's right. That's almost inhumane. If, you're, if that's what you're going to do, you should practice and have to do that. You know, so but, yeah. I'll tell you. What, I'll tell you what's good though. A lot of people don't think about. It. I, and I tell every. I tell all my girl. I, I like. I'm just saying. I have a bunch of girlfriends. I say my friends that are women that ask me all the time about self defense, whatever. Because I study kung fu. I box. And I'm. I've got a flat nose, and I've had my ass kicked, and I've kicked some asses to put it that way. But I tell every woman, carry. A knife. I don't care if you carry a straight razor. I don't care what it is. And if something happens, you do. You cut them two ways, continuously and deeply. Sometimes that may be your only thing because a lot of people don't think about women carrying knives. That's a yeah. big, you need to carry a knife on you all the time. Even to open letters if you're going to get a check or something, even if it's going to be peaceful, if you're going to go out on a peaceful protest, maybe you want to cut the string off of something so you can tie your buddy's sign together. You just have a knife on you all times. <laughs> Yep. Yeah, 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 that's true, that is true. 
Well, well, we don't want anybody shooting anybody, though. Just try me out. No, we don't. Absolutely not. You know, the worst part about it is if you got ammunition, you better not be using it up because I don't know how much longer we're going to be able to get it because I don't think they're going to talk worried about taking the guns away from people as much as they are. They're trying to choke out the, uh, the actual manufacturers of the actual ammunition where they're going to put a stranglehold on them companies. And then there's a lot of guns in America, 760-some million, you know, more there's only 340 million, million people. That's a lot of guns. All right, I mean, guys, a lot of, that's what that we know of. <laughs> I feel sorry yeah. for any country that tried to invade us. <laughs> yeah. yeah Unless they land in California. If they come through California, that's a wide open deal because there's there's a lot of situations there where there's a they'd almost like wave them in. Come on in, guys. Come on in. Right here. They give them the red carpet, <laughs> it would seem like, because they... What they're doing in their own streets, in their own city, and how they treat it, they don't care about America. So, you know, they don't care about anybody in Finland. <laughs> well, how about that? But anywhere else. That cop's still in jail? The one that nailed on that guy? They found out the autopsy report that the prosecutor held that, yeah. that he, he, he didn't, didn't die die from that. He died from a drug all over those. And, yeah. and how about that, huh? Prison. Yeah, and why are these yeah. cops still in prison? Well, yeah. Yeah. Why you know is he still in prison? That That's a good question. My big thing was the whole time that happened, I said, if those people were so damn concerned about that guy's life being in jeopardy, if that was me and that was either you, Dr. Ventura, or you, Joe, and I saw that, I wouldn't stand there with my phone and film it. I would tackle that cop off of you. I'm going to jail, but I'm going to save your life, I hope. If they're that concerned, yeah. no. What does everybody do? They stand there with that phone, and they're trying to get the big – the big, uh, the YouTube post or the, the TikTok video, they want to go viral. Well, anybody I'm gonna look into did that. that just, they went viral. Uh, I'm going to look into that. They are, they are viral. Yeah, I don't know. I'm going to call Because he, he died of a fentanyl overdose, big time. He well, I'm call ingested a bunch of it. Two prosecutors quit the case because they said they knew he was innocent, and the lead prosecutor would not let them not charge yeah. him. So they... They said that they charged him because of the public opinion and the pressure from the public. That's why they were charged. No, and they had, no, 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 no. That we cannot allow that. That's oh, that's, that's terrible. That's exactly you know? right, Joe. That's exactly what's happened in Akron with this kid Jalen Walker that was shot by the cops eighty times. They don't tell you though that this, like, like George Floyd ingests fentanyl to the point of killing probably fifty people, just not himself, but. This kid shoots at the police and runs from him in his car, runs into a roadblock and can't get out of his driver's door, so he doesn't even stop his car. He jumps out the passenger side, and he thought he had his gun in his hoodie pocket. Well, he didn't, and he went afoot, and they got him finally uh, cornered, and they shot 100 rounds, and only 40 of them entered his body. But they killed him because he made the turn like he was going to reach in that pocket. He'd already fired at him, like four minutes yeah. before this in the, in the chase, and then – the night prior to that, he ran from the cops and they let him go. But, you know, you can't let these – if you don't find the guy guilty or find him and, and he's innocent, the cops are guilty, they're going to burn the town down. They're already talking about because these eight cops that they, they took and put in front of the, the police board, they're all found good shoot, clean shoot. So they're all back well, on you the see, job. In a way, in in a way it, though, I, yeah, but in a way, though, why were they engaging the guy to begin with? Why were they harassing him? What because was he doing he wrong? Because he just shot at him. He had, yes, he I, know, but, yeah, I know, but why? 
The night before, he ran from a, a, a infraction for a broken taillight. He didn't stop. He took off and he ran through two counties. He got away. The, next, the very next night, the very next day, yeah, so he didn't stop for that. So the next night, he's got uh, an all-points bulletin out on his car. They spot his car in Akron. And they light him up, and he takes off, and he gets on the highway. As he's entering the highway, there's cameras all over. They show him reaching out his window back at the cop car, and you see the muzzle flash. Boom, one shot's gone. So now shot's fired, and he comes down two blocks from my house, right here by Bridgestone Firestone, where I used to work at, and they had a roadblock set up because they're trying to convey him away from the softball game that's going on. That's got the, the Akron Pro Racers, the, the teams there, all the big stadium deal. This is about 11 at night, though, so there's still people hanging around. But he runs through the roadblock and collides into a car. So now you've got attempted murder again with the, because he's using his car as a weapon. And then he well, why to, not? Why and then, not? Why not not chase him? Why not not chase him? And, and then you know why he chase shot him? At him? I don't understand. Because you got what is he? Yeah, but, we, yeah, but why did he shoot at him? We can't let him not have. Hey, we can't not have no laws. We got to have laws. If you got a broken taillight, if it's a law, why did he shoot at him? Why did he shoot at him? Why did he shoot at the cop? He shot. Why did he shoot the cops? I don't know. They don't still don't know this stuff. Huh. Well, people just don't it, wake up in the middle of the day and say they want to shoot cop cops, crime, you know? Now that, yeah, the well, next thing is now it's a, cop, it's a cop crime, you know, because the cops, all eight of them, and they're taught to shoot center mass and unload your weapon and stop the, stop the violent threat, put an end to it. And they all did it in succession. Yeah, but they created the threat, They created the threat. But, hey, they huh? created the threat. They created the no, threat. No, they didn't. No, yeah. they didn't because he broke the law. He broke the law. What law did he break? He ran from what the cops in 94. Why was he running, though? Why was he running? I'm trying to get to the bottom of That's this. How, he's, he probably doesn't have a driver's license. Something like that. Stupid. That's about 90% of why they run. If they don't have a driver's <laughs> license, they're out driving the car. They ain't got, you know, that's what they do. So well, he yeah, was, it's just, was it's the narrative. So he wasn't breaking you know, the law then. Then it makes the cops the bad guys, and the cops are then the bad guys. Because no matter what the cops do, the cops are wrong. But they're the first people to call for when they need their help. Yeah, but Dave, hey, we don't want cops pulling people over for that. I mean, that's not right, man. Why we don't want? What's Listen, Nazi Germany? Paper, when a guy, please? when a person has a, when he, when a person has got a ski mask on, he's in a business across the county, and if a cop pulls in behind him, he wants to know what he's doing. The guy pulls away. Suspiciously, he just pulls out now because the cops are pulling him. Business is closed. It's after 10 o'clock. It's, it's 11.30 at night. He's got a taillight out, so that county was going to pull him over and try to figure out why he was sitting in the subway parking lot to begin with with a ski mask on. Now, it's none of their business. Get to the board. It's none of their business. But here, he, he isn't doing nothing. He's not he, against now the he's running. Listen, now he's running from the cops. Top speed. Now he's putting everybody else in jeopardy. Those cops stopped chasing him. They got to the border and they let him go. They said, you know what? This is done. So Akron, it goes all across the, uh, all points bulletin for the different counties around here. They see the same car and the guy's driving by and he made another pass where the cops said, hey, Can I make a suggestion? you saw him the, sec- the second time, they, they were going to stop him because they already had it on their computer showing that he was a felon. Now you are a willful fleeing in Ohio in a vehicle is a felon. Whoa, a felon. That's a, Whoa. It's so, a felon. So, so, okay. Okay, so, so, well, how can I make a suggestion, though? No, can I make a suggestion? How about yeah? How about this? How about this? They see a guy with a ski mask on and a broken taillight out. How about they just keep going? 
and let the guy be. Did you see him do anything wrong? No. Did he hurt anybody? Here's the the flip side. Here's the flip side of that coin. The cops are paid to do protect and serve. Now, here's the thing. Maybe maybe you you or me are in that business that that guy's outside sitting there. We don't know about it. Your wife or your daughter or somebody, and that guy's out there stalking them. And they don't don't let him go, and then something happens? We don't know that, though. You're assuming. Yeah, but you're assuming that that's what he's doing. Why did he run? Why didn't he just pull over? He should have just pulled over if there wasn't a problem. That's all he had to do. They probably let him go. Why did Nine he run? Nine out of ten times well, he stopped maybe, in this area. Maybe because he was going to get shot 40 times. <laughs> that's, no, no, here's, that's, not the, that's not the thing. Because he has a gun on him. He's an illegal, never had a, a license. He's not registered. and He doesn't not, need a license. He's not allowed to have a gun. So, here, so why is he, he shooting the cops said. and running? What more, what more has he done? That's what I'm worried about. I know. <laughs> he puts public in jeopardy. I mean, it's crazy. Hey, hey that's not even the worst part, Joe. Hey, that's not even the worst part. Because I got pissed off at the, the, the guys in this top, the local talk shows on radio. I said, listen, we got a serious problem here. I said, we got a, a guy that's shooting at the cops. The cops are chasing this guy. I said, the cops catch the guy. After he crashes into him, I said, then there's 100 shots fired. I go, my question is, now everybody pay attention. This is going to get real fast, real hard, real difficult. If all eight cops shot that many rounds, and only forty of them hit, where'd the other sixty rounds go? Well, where's the bad where Where's the loose rounds at? We're talking about sixty rounds that have gone straight that didn't make contact with this guy. And I said, we're on an ammo shortage, and we got the cops that don't go practice shooting. They're just throwing away ammunition. Now, we need to tighten up here. We need to figure out if we're going to have policemen carrying guns, or we're going to have to have them carrying, uh, I don't know, what, pieces of licorice or something. I don't know. I, but that made me madder and hell thinking that the cops shoot that many times in a, in a public environment. And I'm talking a rural city. I mean, I, boom. I just I'll think that they left the guy thing. alone. We wouldn't if they left the guy alone. Go. Just what? You can't let it. You just can't let, let him go. Let the next guy go. Let the next guy go. Why? Because then it's, it turns into a sanctuary. Then it turns into Akron, where you have Little Detroit, as we're nicknamed, the, the second leading murder capital, cap per capita in America. Per capita. So wait a second. They let everybody run free. So we, so we should stop everybody. So we should stop people. So we need to stop people. If check you're their breaking papers. the law, you should have to pay. It goes to accountability, just like everything else. So if you are doing something wrong, uh, uh, what law? If they violate, what law are they violating? Though I just don't understand what law you're talking about. Yeah, you. they're breaking the law. Speeding, speeding. Number one, speeding. You said broken taillight. It's a law. Broken taillight. You have to have a license plate like in this in this state. Believe it or not, you have to have right. an illuminated right. license plate. And I asked him why. I fought that in court because I have a GMC Typhoon. And I said, why well, ask you a question? Why, why do I have to have an illuminated plate light? And you're going to stop me and give me a ticket for it. I said, but if it, it matters, if, you can, if you're behind me and it's dark out, aren't your headlights on? You can see my license plate? That's what don't make yeah. any sense to me. I go, so how's that work for you? Well, they got that. That one got tossed out and they changed that law already. But here's the thing. You have to abide by the law. If you, and that, and if, as simple as it may be. It's what it's got to be. If you don't, you get to a point where uh, when you draw, okay, is it okay to let them go? You can't, you can't do it. You have to have accountability from the start to the end. If you do not do it, you'll end up just like we are in this country right now, spun out of control because there's no accountability for shit. The president doesn't have to answer to laying in bed with China or his crack dealing kid. Uh, who else knows? I mean, the Clintons, the kill list that those people got, uh, Obama's, you got his gay swimming uh, chef boyfriend's dead now. There's no accountability for death. 
know. I don't know. We'll reserve this subject for another night. We'll reserve this subject for another night. All right. <laughs> they're getting ready to cut me off it's, anyway. It's, it's, it's maddening uh, to think that all he had to do is just stop because he didn't do nothing. If, you, if you're not breaking the laws, yep. just stop. Most right? of them are. They don't want the trouble. You think them guys want to go to work every day and have a Hey, 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 hang on. I got another caller here who wants to jump in here. Three, two, three, go ahead. The reason why the country is the way that it is is because people are easily corruptible. Corrupt. It's part of mm-hmm. human nature. Why can't people understand that? They keep thinking that it's good versus evil, as though there's the devil on one side and the angel on the other. It's more like Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, and people when they hate, when they see enough money, all of a sudden their religious training goes right out the window. To me, that's simple. Okay. <laughs> you, so yeah. you don't see my point here. You don't see my point about where leave the guy alone. That you know he didn't really break the law. Why are we going to chase him down the road and hunt him down and shoot him forty times? That I well, didn't hear, Joe, because I was busy doing back, something. He shot at them cops first. He shot at them first. Yeah, but they what chased after him. What are we talking about now? Chased well, after him for a broken tail, right? Well, they didn't like him up and give him a ticket for it. He broke the law. Well, even with that, anytime anybody him. does anything that's immoral, right? Yeah. And they've been taught, because cops are taught. Everybody's taught about how to do right from wrong, but they don't because they're corrupt. That's right. Yeah. You know, nine out of ten times they talk about the family not having a male, a male uh, father figure in the homes with the majority of the black communities. And that's a big thing around here they always talk about. You know, but nobody's got a dad. nobody got this. So they don't have anybody telling, but their mother's not doing the job of saying, hey, if the police stop, if the police get behind you, stop. Put your hands at 10-2 on the wheel. Don't be jerking around in the car. Turn your radio down. Answer the guy's questions. And if you're not doing anything wrong, you're going to go drive away. They don't want to do this. That's not what they want to do is give you tickets and shoot people. But what they don't want to do is pull you over and see you moving around in your car. Your window's blacked out. You got to, it smells like weed coming out of it. Or there's about five of you in there, and you all got a gun. Five That's of you. Five That's of a you. problem. There might be five. There's only five one gun in the car. It doesn't make any difference. That's a problem. If a cop has to walk up on a car, and they have to do it now to every single car they stop everywhere in the country because they have to worry about being shot. We're not allowed to have guns in our car? No, yeah, you can have it. I'm saying, when you, can you imagine walking up to a car? You can't see the black windows. You walk right up. You're, you're a cop, and you say, hey, license registration. Boom, you're shot right in the face. I don't want the cop walking up to me, my car asking me for my driver's license registration because this isn't Nazi Germany, and I don't have to show my papers. Leave me alone. No, Joe, that's, that shit sailed. That, shit, that, that sovereign bullshit sailed. If you're breaking the law and you get stopped by the police, you've done something wrong. If you're speeding down the highway, what's breaking the law, hour, What's like breaking the law? You deserve to be stopped. So driving what's like a breaking the law? Breaking the law. You're threatening the lives of other what's people reckless? around you. What's reckless? What's reckless? What are you talking you. about reckless? I just told you. 50 or no, you did 55-mile posted speed limit? Yes, it is. You know, you're not a race car driver. You don't have a helmet on. You're not in a, in a, a, a car. That's did I hurt anybody, Kate? Kate, how are we going to restore the republic? Not yet. So we're policing the community. So we're trying to prevent crime. So we're going to keep, we're going to make sure we're going to stop people from doing crime. We're probably going to do it. The Republic has to have laws. They have to be followed. That's all there is to it. And do no harm. Do no harm. Do no harm. Come at law. 
That's what's got to be taught. That has to be taught because you have a generation of children now that don't see that. They think it's okay. They think it's fun. To carry guns as child, children, 13, 14 years old, they're carrying automatic weapons around. They think that somebody like me that has a gun, if I, pull on, if I see someone pull a gun on me and I don't draw mine on and shoot them, I deserve to be shot. That's all there is to it. But you can't have kids walking to and from school every day. They, they're, we're talking about kids going to, to middle school. They're, see, they're accidentally shooting them to their friend or themselves because they don't, know how, number one, they don't know how to operate a gun. They shouldn't have the gun. And there should be laws against it. And there are. But that doesn't take, they take the guns away from all the good people. You have to have laws and, and a foundation. What's that? We had that a long time ago. We did. But we got away from we've it. When got, we've got six million over. laws on the books. Six million. Okay. There isn't anything. There isn't anything that a person can do that doesn't break a law. There's a book written about it. I right. forget the name of the book. Oh yeah, they make All a right? law to break a law. Right. They, yeah. But here's the thing. We only probably need six laws total. Probably only six, maybe. Well, well, we need well, we need six. We need six umbrella laws, but we do need a few laws, yeah. a little bit more than that, but not six million. But the thing is, yeah, is that you know what I'm saying. Um, right. if I was a cop, if I was a state trooper, right, and I came across a car that had four people in it, and I had to pull them over, I would always be uh, leery about if they had guns in the car or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. like look what goes on down at the border with the uh, the trafficking, you know, the human skin traffic, the drug smuggling. Oh, geez. You know, those guys. Oh God. That's their <laughs> lifeline. That's well, what they think. Why are we pulling people over, though, the- Joe? I want to ask this question. Why are we pulling people over? We're not hurting anybody. There's no hurting, you know. Why <laughs> are they me, pulling people over? Me, I'll, give you, all right, I'll give you my answer for that. Because let's say, for example, you're a cop, right, and you see me swerving. Now, I'm not swerving because I'm right in the head. I'm either on drugs or I'm on alcohol, right? So are you going to – should you wait? <laughs> Should you wait until I hurt somebody for you to do something? Right. Or should you say, no. I'm going to pull him over and then find out his registration insurance and everything, have him take a blood, um, you know, a blood test, um, a breathalyzer, rather, and, um, you know, either take him in or... Yeah. You see, it's like you see two people, two people you arguing, hey, and it looks second. like it's going to Hey, wait a second, no. If you're two people arguing, it's going to escalate, you think. Don't you want to stop and step in between and say, hey, that's enough. It's the same thing. You don't want them to fight to kill each other. You don't want somebody driving a car that's impaired what? to kill Joe, somebody else. Joe, you said, hey, will you hang on? Joe, you said swerving. So what do you mean by swerving? Yeah. I'm driving, the guy's driving all over from one side of the road to the other, but I mean, making cars hit and almost hit him and miss him. Is that what you're talking about? Well, well of course, you got that's lines one way. But, <laughs> Tay, Tay, your name isn't Joe. <laughs> Tay, all right? So the thing is, if I'm, if I'm driving, Right, and I'm going across the line. I'm going across the other line. I'm not inside the borders. I'm swerving. Now, cars are going to be that close to me until, unless they see me swerving. Why should a state trooper wait until I hurt somebody? Okay. So what? If, what? So so. Okay. Well, I mean. I don't know, Joe. I mean, you know, swerving. I mean, using one prime example there. Yeah, obviously, if you're if you're driving your car recklessly and you're going from out, you know, in and out of the lines, you know, and, and, and driving, you know, like an idiot. I mean, I guess, you know, but uh, you break. But we were talking about a broken taillight earlier. You know, we chased the guy okay. down because of a broken taillight. You know. Uh, yeah, that I don't. I, I haven't any thoughts on that unless. 
unless somehow they can prove that two taillights are necessary in order for safety reasons or one taillight isn't. I don't know about that. Um, and how about this law? With, uh, how about if they see, how about if they see something like uh, one of those? How about if they see one of those uh, little, what do they call them, the bobbleheads or something dangling from the mirror? They pull you over for that. There's a lot of bullshit yeah. they do. Yeah. But you have to remember, yeah, too, like this guy, what he was doing, not just he wasn't getting chased because of a broken taillight. What he did was, it was a suspicious vehicle that they were called to a site for, but then the guy pulled out. And he pulled out, the cops got behind him, saw that he had a broken taillight, which is in, 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 in law, they can stop him for that, but then he decides to take off and not stop once they turn their lights on. So that means that thing is willful fleeing. So when he's up to something no good then. So that's the first night. The second night he's in Akron, and they, to this fleeing felon now, has an all-points bulletin that they, when the car goes and takes off like that, there's usually a reason they've done something. So they say, okay, we're going to have to keep a lookout for him. They see this guy driving. He then takes off again and turns and sticks his hand out the window and shoots at the cops this time. So it wasn't like he wasn't doing anything wrong. He had, he had bad intentions for something. That's all there is to I don't know. I, don't, I just think the cops are revenue enforcers. They're, you know, it's about writing tickets. They and, are. You know, and, and that's not right, you know. They are. I mean, I'm not saying that all the cops, whatever the cops do is right, but sometimes, no. uh, for, for example, that I gave, if you're, seeing, if you're seeing somebody who is committing a robbery, right, or let's say mm-hmm. you see somebody going into a store with, with, uh, with masks on and shotguns up, right, and they're rushing towards yeah, yeah. the store, are you going to wait until they get inside the store, um, pistol, pistol, uh, pistol with the uh, the guy behind the counter to do something, no, or are you going to follow not. up? Yeah. Right, yeah, because you see you know, an obvious something in action. Something is about yeah. to happen. Yeah, you know, hurting somebody. Yeah, see it, that's a, you know, that's what you have to say. Is that, is that a threat or not? Well, that threat, well, that taillight was because the guy had already ran, so they knew that there was something wrong with him. But they may not even have stopped him. But then when he tried to do the yeah, thing, and he made thing, that shot at him. That was stupid. Yeah, say, you were talking about. Yeah, you were talking about somebody or the people who get stopped, and they, they, uh, you know, they, because they have a bench warrant or because they have some mm-hmm. kind of um, malfunction in the brain, they take off. That's so stupid. All you got to do is park, the, you know, move over to the side, yeah. let the cop come, give the uh, the registration. If you don't have any problems with your car, you're going to be on your way because the cop doesn't want to spend more than five minutes. Like me, Joe? Like me, Joe? I was on my way? Like me? I was on my way? They have the attitude like these guys do that they they don't want to roll the window down and they don't want to stop by the cop. Hey, I don't know what happened to Joe. What happened to you, Joe? I don't either. Well, well, yeah. Well, I got a DUI, remember? I wasn't doing anything wrong. You know? Now, wait a minute, Joe. Talk about this. So what are, they, what are they pulling you over for? Why? Yeah, you had to have been impaired in some way. Wait a second. The cop never pulled me over. I was in the back of the ambulance already. I was in the back right. of the ambulance getting treatment. So why would I, just, why would I have to suffer a DUI? Well, I don't, I don't know that story. I was impaired. <laughs> wait a second. Wait a second. I was impaired. Why was I impaired? Why was I impaired? Yeah, yeah, I don't know that story. Yeah, I don't know what that story. He, he touched fentanyl. Oh, that's when you were on the. Oh yeah, I remember. Yeah, yeah when you were on the. So he was impaired, yeah. but 
he's lucky he did what he did because he kind of fell out at the red light and is instead of just being going at speed like normal driving, he would have just fell asleep like that. He was actually stopped and people saw him, so he was able to keep the, what the ambulance came and they had him out of the car before the cops came. So then they charged him with the DUI. But regardless, is you're impaired and you were driving in the witness seat. I mean, that, that, you're lucky on that when you weren't actually moving and having to fall asleep like that. But I don't the whole thing goes, what you're talking about, Joe, is the, the whole how that happened is bullshit. You know what I mean? It's yeah. not like you were out drunk going bar to bar watching football games or whatever got tuned up, but you had done something that somebody did to you and you didn't know about it. Or you it was a, yeah, it was an accidental yeah. do. Yeah. Yeah. The procedure wasn't you followed. You know, I had no protective right. gloves. I had no mask. You know, I got exposed to something right. because I was out doing something to help the community. You know, but yet I get yep. stuck in it, you know, get, get, get stuck because of it. You know, that doesn't make oh. much sense. You know, the worst part about that is, I, you, we talked about that, you know, there should have been someone to help you out there along that line because with what you were doing and who involved and what was going on, they should have been able to step right in and say, hey, I need to make a phone call and you need to talk to this person. And they'll say, okay. And it'd be explained to them what's going on and then you'd be... Can't do that. White plane. Can't do that. Yeah, I know. Well, you're not, we know, yeah, we know, I know there's another agenda. We know the other agenda. Yeah. Yeah, well, right. you're not supposed so to be able to do that. that. You're not supposed to. Yeah. Right. Yeah, everything's secretive. Hey, secretive think, policy. Hey, there's a lot of stuff on TV now that you watch some of these cops, and especially, I don't know what it is. It's like a, when you get fentanyl in a powder base, they, these people are actually taking it and they got their gloves on, but then when the cops come up, they'll blow it out of their hand into the air, like when they walk up to ask for your registration. That fentanyl is in the air right then. And if you get enough of that inherent, inhaled, you're going down. Dude, those cops are yeah. dead right on the side of the highway, and nothing even happened. They weren't even touched. Dogs, too. They're doing it to the dogs, also. The drug dogs. Well, well yeah. Well, fentanyl yeah. is really, really, really virulent. It's very dangerous. It's, it's evil. the most dangerous yes, drug that I read about. That's um, the most dangerous drug that's, um, that's come into the United States. And it's something like seven times more powerful than meth or something like that, or, or coke. That's it. That's the car fentanyl. That's the actual veterinary type that they use for rhinoceros or elephant uh, tranquilizer, basically. But we do that fentanyl that's like, you know, lower base, like a, a, a opiate that's kind of a painkiller, but the stuff that, that's really dropping people dead that you put on the point of a pen will kill you is the car fentanyl. It knocks out an elephant with a couple drops of it. What's it going to do to a person? Yeah. Alright, guys, you're gonna cut me off and you say you're gonna cut me off here in about five ten I think according to the red clock here, about fifteen seconds. So uh anyway, Peter, you still there, Peter? Fifteen Peter, seconds I think midnight. Gone. <laughs> yes. I guess everybody's going. Here. Joe, thanks for coming. Okay, thanks for uh, touching base tonight with me. Um, oh, yeah. yeah, well Hey what's our um, doomsday clock? Does anybody know what the doomsday clock is? So who? Doomsday clock. We have a doomsday clock, and so so far. Oh, the doomsday clock, and it's like, yeah. What, what's uh, that? Like, what is it? It's two minutes to midnight, something like that, isn't it? Yeah, I'm two seconds. One. I think this is it. I think it's zero. Well, guys, see you later. Hasta la vista.